Hey kids, happy post Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think. Why don't we start the show with the conversation we were having off the air? The reason we didn't jump in over uh, Bob's guitar solo was because we were explaining <laughs> to to Krista and Bob the story of our traveling back from Munster, where we had a wonderful Thanksgiving with my brother Lee. But we came back last night uh, about the time that this show ends. So we mm-hmm. were leaving Lee's at about 2 o'clock last night. And we got, what, about a mile down the road? Not even. I think it was a block down the road. But, we realized. But no, we, mm. should, we should back up because uh, there's so much stuff that Johnny has made that we take out to Munster <laughs> that we had dishes and dishes and, and muffin pans tins. And, and, yes. And every mile, bump, rattle, rattle. So by the time we got to the expressway, we had no coats and no sweaters on. They were all wrapped around dishes, around pie plates and muffin tins. And it took three stops to get everything to hush up. And I mean, I was mad by the time I was stomping back to the car. And I said to you, if they rattle again, we're stopping on the side of the road. I'm sitting them on the curb (laughs) and all these dishes will stay for someone to pick up tomorrow because I'm not dealing. It was so aggravating for a while the drive was reminding me of do you remember the old car X commercial rattle rattle, rattle thunder clatter boom boom, boom 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 that's what it was for a while so <laughs> yes. but, but i was amazed that we didn't get uh stopped by any uh any cops at that yeah why why are they driving a block and they pull over and they get out and they get into the back there <laughs> and the woman gets on? out and she's taking off more clothes every time she gets out of the car <laughs> well, i was enjoying that but oh that's another story <laughs> right well, oh, hi, kids. Yeah. Happy, uh, happy post-Thanksgiving. First, uh, would this be the first official holiday. holiday weekend? Yes, 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 absolutely. And I know you all were hanging on to every word of Ron's newscast, and I suspect you missed the fireworks display. And why is the city doing them at 9 o'clock and not 10 o'clock? All summer, they do them at 10 and I guess for the next month, they're going to be yes. a, a big 9 o'clock. What are they calling it? The light up the, light la- light up the lake. Okay. Because it's over Lake Michigan, but we're seeing it uh, from our vantage point down the river. Ron, do you get to see the fireworks from your vantage point? No, but I could hear them over my shoulder. I oh, was like, you? there's something going on, and it seems a little early. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think it was like your newsman uh, antenna went up. You went, oh, that's a boom. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, that's an unusual noise. Yes. Yeah. I have to ask you, because Ron is wearing a T-shirt today, and I didn't mention it to him. But I'm curious, do you run into people who have no idea what the symbol is on the front of your T-shirt? Oh yeah, I mean it's a it, it's a product of a bygone era. I can tell from here what it is, and I I have several of those. Yes, I used to. I, I don't anymore. I don't think I even have a, a turntable anymore. But it's a, the little spindle, the yeah. little thing that you put. It's on a forty-five adapter for forty-fives. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Steve was upset with me because we used to have a box of those plastic spindles that you would put on your forty-five, so you could put it on your stereo. Mm-hmm. And then when my friends would have a forty-fifth birthday, I would make them a cake, and I would put these forty-five adapters, and they would go, "Oh, that's so cool! I'm adapting to being forty-five years old." Because <laughs> wait a minute, you, I, I need those. Yeah. So you hid them from me. Yeah. Plus, I don't know anybody that's 45 anymore. They're all like 65, so it doesn't matter now. <laughs> Do we have any 78 adapters? 78 adapters, yeah. 
Well, that's Ron Brown in the studio. And Ron, you worked on Thanksgiving, so you did your your big hoo-ha on Wednesday, right? On Wednesday, it was very nice. Had ham and turkey and pies and peas and stuffing and corn and i ate a lot and i and uh, my son and i both smoked a couple of cigars afterwards and we talked about manly things it was wonderful <laughs> so, so you had both who and ha yeah who yes, and ha, yes. yes. and i learned two things from ron in the brief conversation we had tonight honey baked ham is still open yes I did not know we that. We weren't sure, because for years we used to get honey-baked ham from... On Golf it Road. It was their location right by the Gulf Mill Shopping Center. And it was, it's long been gone, and I thought that meant like uh, Boston Market, that, you know, yeah. they were gone, gone with the wind. No, Love they're honey still around. They're still and around. You can... he also went to Baker Square. Mm-hmm. It's like... <laughs> where is there a Baker Square? Baker Square. There's uh, one right by uh, where I live on Harlem, uh, uh, near Foster. Huh. And uh, there was such a long line of cars. This was the day before Thanksgiving when we celebrated. And I did not order ahead. And I thought, oh, it's going to mean a long delay that was really bad on my part. But well, you know, what are you going to do? It turns out I was the smart one without intending to be mm-hmm. because everybody who ordered uh, ahead of time online they were waiting in their cars in a long line that they had, had set up at the baker square and i just walked right in there was nobody <laughs> there except for the employees this is what can i help you i said i'd like to have two pies here you go sir and he walks out and waves to people in line I there's was, like yeah. 30 cars sitting there waiting oh, i just walked in and out <laughs> speaking of long lines i have to tell you so we leave my brother's at about uh, 2. By 2.30, we are roughly at the uh, River Oaks Shopping Center. Mm-hmm. And we see this long line. <laughs> it was now, taillights. 2.30 in the morning. I mean, a long stretching around the block line. Where do you think it was, Ron? I'm not sure. It was at... White, White Castle, because <laughs> it's two thirty wow. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and across the street, the McDonald's was closed. There was a yeah. Dunkin' Donuts down the road, and it looked like it had lights on. But they're like, no, I don't need no donuts at this hour. I need me some White Castles, yeah, some, <laughs> some of those cheesy onion rings. I saw the sign that says cheesy onion rings. I'm like, ooh, it's uh, but it's White Castle. Yeah, so. Don't we have the gluten free White Castle recipe? Yes, but I'm not going there. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> no. Okay, this is the segment of our show where we just kind of get to catch up with everybody, and we've locked the doors. So we've got well, a catch up and mustard. and uh, Yes, and we got a couple of bodies in the studio. Uh, we have the, the, bodies in the studio. This would be the people who keep us on the radio. The so. keepers of the big plug. <laughs> That's right. Krista Flores is going to wrap up her shift in just a few minutes, and Grandpa Bob is here. <laughs> So I am. That would be Thorin's grandpa. We need to make that clear, because I just love to say the name Thorin. That's the best name ever. Uh, I wanted Krista to stop by before she hit the road, because you recently uh, went to the Walnut Room. Yes, I went week or two ago and you taught me things i did not know so i thought it would be worth spending a couple minutes to tell people if they've been frustrated yeah they think they can't go they cannot they go. Still can go you can't walk up no they're not and some people are saying oh give it a try well who wants to get dressed up and go down there and then be turned, and then be away? turned yeah. away yeah right so you said the secret is you go to open ta- so all the reservations are through open table and so a year ago my friend came out here i'd never been to the walnut room i always heard about it 
I think around November, I started to look. I'm like, oh, it's completely booked up through January. There's no way I'm going to go. So I'm like, yeah, let me just, you know, every now and again, if I had my phone on me, I would just open up the mm-hmm. app, check. And every now and again, you just see random dates pop up. And those get grabbed right away. Mm. And they also have a thing you can just set an alert. So if you pick a day or whatever, mm-hmm. and you turn your notifications on for the app, it will alert you when something opens up. And if you check throughout the day, you'll see like two or three will just pop up. Well, no, we checked. In, in fact, there were yeah. a couple on Monday, and I think it was one or on two Tuesday. on Tuesday. Yeah. And then it was all filled and up. And it was all filled up. Now, if I, if I go back now, those might be taken. Or mm-hmm. there might be a couple more open, but yeah. I and mean, once you book it, it's yours. It's yours, and you can cancel at any time because yeah. the minute you cancel, it opens it up, okay. and then somebody else will grab it up. And is there still what a ninety-minute time limit? Ninety-minute. Well, at the table. At the table. Yeah, we, we heard there was stay. a time limit. You can only stay. Oh, the, oh I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, I think there is. They're yeah, going to turn went, over the tables. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah, we went, and it it was half full. But they weren't really rushing us or anything. We didn't. We weren't even close to using the ninety minutes, and we were there about an mm. hour. But How ironic, though, that it would be half full, and people are, are told you can't walk up. Yeah, it was. Maybe it was a little earlier because it was maybe two weeks ago. So mm-hmm. before you know, it really started getting yeah. in the holiday spirit around here. Um, but yeah, I mean, the very front of the room was full. You go into the, we were in the back, back, and mm-hmm. all those seats were still available. Okay, so. how was the food? It was good, although last it was beautiful. year they had. Be- I love the tree this year. It's like a sweet mm-hmm. candy all and all that. I love that the pastel, all the you know mm-hmm. candy. But the one thing I loved last year, they don't have this year, and even the waitress was angry about it. These Asiago, like Hawaiian buns with Asiago cheese, they were mm-hmm. so good, hmm. and that was like the main thing I was going for this year. And I looked at the menu, I'm like, "Where is it?" And I asked the waitress, she's like, "Don't get me started. Oh, we don't have them." Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. And they also have available a Marshall Fields glass you can yes. buy. Yes, and it actually says Marshall Fields 2023 yeah. in the proper font and everything. I mean, it's the real thing. So they they've really embraced the whole. Yeah, we are Macy's, but, but we know but, we but, were Marshall. But what Fields. is the yeah. thing that uh, there is a, a whole hue and cry because it's a black Christ- instead of green? There's a Christmas ornament, a glass, a very expensive glass Christmas ornament that's been made, and it is a Marshall Fields shopping bag, and it's the right font, but the bag is black. It was like, really? If it was green, people would go gaga over it. But it's a black shopping bag, which also looks kind of dumb on your tree, unless you have a black and white tree. My pea-sized brain says they're cutting their sails in half by not doing the right color. Or maybe they're covering their backsides and saying, we didn't get approval for this. It's going to be Black Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So, Bob, you're in the studio with us. You're with us all night long, because Bob drives the Zamboni, you know. He cleans the floors at 2 o'clock in the morning. He does all the dirty work. He kicks us (laughs) out of here. And then he does all the dirty ones. That's right. <laughs> so you had Thanksgiving with your family on Thursday, but you still worked on Thursday night, right? Correct. Yeah. So I got I, I got Thorin uh, Thursday afternoon. Ah. So. And he said, "Oh," as he was embracing the baby, he said, "Oh, please, I've been I've got to work tonight." He's holding the baby. You can't take this baby from me, right? Well, my wife was like, "Why don't you dress up for Thanksgiving? You look like a slob in that t-shirt." And I'm like, "Yeah, really?" And then. But I had Thorn for maybe three minutes, and I hear, Bleh. I'm like, that's why I wasn't wearing a Okay. Nice Did you walk over that, and prove That's why you, uh, yeah. you bagged the tuxedo. Yep. So. That's funny. But you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah. Because you'd already bought the bird for everybody. You said, okay, I've done my part. You, you cook it, I'll be there. I'll be there to take care of the baby, right? Yeah. So, you know, my wife couldn't 
couldn't stop. So she she made the stuffing. She made the sweet potato casserole. She made the cranberry bread. She made rolls. And so we're bringing all this food to my daughter. I'm yeah. like, what is she doing? She's warming up the turkey. That's great. <laughs> that reminds me. Thank you guys so much for your Thanksgiving yes. recipes. We had hundreds of hits from all over the world. People, People love them. going crazy for the recipes. I was scared was too simple. No. But oh, no. It's funny because... I don't cook as much because for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is not a big holiday for my family. Christmas is. When I go home, mm-hmm. there, you know, I don't do a lot of the cooking, so I do a lot of the baking. And of all, you know, you spend hours making cookies and all this, and it's that bark that I make that probably gets the most yeah. positive results. And I'm like, oh, it's too simple. And Johnny's like, simple nope. the better. That, people <laughs> Where was love it? that. Uh, it was uh, U.S., England, Ireland, a lot Sweden, of Ireland. Sweden, really? yeah. Germany. A lot of Canada. Yeah, mm-hmm. France. Yeah. It was really fun to see these people just kind of jumping in from all over the world and then sending us nice notes. And uh, uh, Julian's recipe was the green spaghetti. Yeah. And during our dinner, my phone dinged and I looked down and he sent me, you sent me a picture of the green spaghetti and I had you, mentioned You it. need to post a picture of the, the green spaghetti on our Facebook page. And I got to tell you, I may have sent you the, a text and said everybody at the table went, Oh, that didn't sound good, but I'm all over that now that I'm looking at it. Oh, it sounded good. It's all creamy and yummy and woof. It's much better than it looks. <laughs> well, no, it was pretty impressive. And listen to us. We're half hour into the show yeah. talking about food. And what happened last week? We started gnawing on our ankle by the yeah. time we got We were so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. We got. We were walking through our house, just picking up food off. That I'm eating this. I'm gonna eat this. And, yep. Right. And and Johnny made some uh, some cookies tonight. I did. In uh, just a few minutes, we're gonna check in with uh, Showbiz Gino. Yeah. And uh, get an update. He uh, segued out to the left coast and uh, had a lot of uh, celeb sightings. Then uh, a little later, we'll introduce you to a man that uh, we haven't met yet. But we were introduced to him in his product by my brother Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Callahan is an incredible author, and he has a wonderful book. His book is entitled Bing, Bing and, and Billy, Billy and, and Frank and, and Ella and Judy and Barbara. Barbara. <laughs> you would think it would be like a thousand pages. It is a really wonderful, concise background on each one of these amazing, iconic singers. Singers that that really keep the American songbook alive. Right, It's a terrific book. Then, uh, as we mentioned, Empty Pockets. Uh, Tom Appel is going to join us. And, boy, there is a lot of interesting, uh, sometimes a little strange car news we're going to be talking about tonight. And recalls, too, coming up tonight. Major recalls, surprising recalls. And we're going to talk some holiday stuff, too, because it's official. We can do that now. Yeah. We're not jumping the gun, right? <laughs> well, thank you, guys. What happened to our Americans in London? Did they find Thanksgiving? Oh, they did not. They had oh, hamburgers no. and mac and cheese. Talking about Patrick Crispin and, and Christine and, and Joseph. Joseph. They called us from London last week, and they were looking for... And, Bob, you found 12 places that were serving turkey, but they were all booked up, so they had to have a burger and mac and cheese. And she said, quote, it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an unforgettable Thanksgiving, that's for yep. sure. All oh, right. We'll take a break. More coming up on WGN. Okay, let me see if I remember. I didn't bring the script up. Well, boys and girls, once again, it's time for us to take a look at those who inhabit the big and small no! screens. I say oh, the small. I'm, okay, wait a minute. 
the big and small screens and find out just how big or small they really are. And here with all the pertinent poop, it's the pertinent poopmeister, his own bad self, Gino, Gino, Gino the showbiz machino. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. We are so time. smooth, so smooth. Gino Salamone, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. I am wide awake, and normally at this hour, I'm dead asleep, so I, I feel really good. I did late shopping on, on uh, Black Friday tonight. I left the house at 8.30 and uh, just got home a little while ago, so it was great. Oh, well, good. We should tell people that Gino is entertainment reporter for Fox 6 in Milwaukee and the Dish Network, and he's been our guy for 100 years. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> and, 102. 102, yes. We had to talk to you because Gino... Your weekend last weekend, I know it sounds like a cliche, but man, you were living your best life last weekend. One of the best weekends of my life. Absolutely. It was great. All right. Uh, so, so you segued out to the left coast. First of and... all, you were running late, right? Right, right. And I, I had to uh, be right on time to get my Adam Sandler interview. Otherwise, it wasn't going to work out. And of course, it was 20 minutes late. I ran, and seeing me run is not a pretty sight. I ran to the Uber lot to get to the hotel. I texted them. I said, I don't think I'm going to make it. And they talked to Adam, and he said, I will happily talk to him after the press conference. So how nice was that? How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. You have a nice piece up on your page today about um, Adam Sandler and how he has really fond memories and experiences in Milwaukee. I was shocked. He was here about a week and a half ago, and his first stop was the bronze Bond statue because, of course, he's worked with Henry Winkler and had Henry Winkler in one of his movies. So he went there, but he went to shops, he went to restaurants, and he had a great time, and I was so happy to hear that. Yeah. Love and, hearing that kind of thing. And you know people recognize him because he may be the worst dresser yeah. in the whole world, <laughs> yeah. and he flaunts the fact that he's a bad dresser. That's right. No, he doesn't care. <laughs> but I have to tell you, this movie he's in called Leo, uh-huh. it's about a lizard uh, who is like the class lizard. And it's an animated uh, show on Netflix, uh, movie. Uh-huh. And it was. It took me by surprise how much I liked it. It was really, oh. really cute. So it's, it's animated? It's not uh, real live? He's not playing he's not- a real live lizard? <laughs> He's not pulling a De Niro, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, I told him the horrible story of, of one of my nieces who watched Honey Bunny, the class pet. Mm-hmm. And about a week later, I said, how's Honey Bunny? She looked at me. She was about eight years old. And she said, he's dead. Honey Bunny died. It was so sad. It was like horrible timing. <laughs> And Adam loved hearing that. Oh, he I said, bet. Leo is still alive. We're glad that Leo is still alive. Oh, gosh. And, uh, yes. So, yes. Does, so. It, does it work on two levels like many animated movies do, where if you're taking the kids, you're not going to be bored silly? I mean, it's a sweet right. movie that adults can appreciate, too. Well, it's on Netflix, so you can always walk out of the room. But I will tell you, there's a lot <laughs> of art to it. And Robert Smigel, who did, you know, Dub Bears, yeah. he... Uh, he is one of the voices, and he wrote all the songs in it. And uh, I was just 
so impressed. It was really, really fun. Well, that's good. Now, you also, last weekend, you rushed over to another get-together, just, you know, a couple of, you know, kind of famous people, Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan for the new Maestro movie. That's right. And I will tell you, this is an impressive piece of work. Really? Bradley Cooper's second movie that he directed and he co-wrote and stars in. And, you know, early on, there was a lot of bad publicity about the nose that he had, the prosthetic nose. Right. But I will tell you something. He is so convincing as Leonard Bernstein. And I was able to interview Leonard's three children, who are obviously adults now. And they were just so impressed with what Bradley did. They actually filmed at their house in Connecticut. Hmm. And uh, they use some of the clothes. But the revelation in this movie is Carrie Mulligan. I'm hearing a a lot of incredible things about her. Unreal. I've seen the movie twice, and both times in the theaters you could hear audible sobs based on her performance. In fact, I'm hearing from some people that this may be one of those A Star is Born moments. Yes, 100%. And again, there's a scene, there's a six-minute scene where... Bradley Cooper, as Leonard Bernstein, conducts the London Philharmonic and puts so much into it. And it, when that's over, you're exhausted. It's so, so good. Wow. So did he do a Q&A about the movie? Because you had a great picture of, of, of the two of them on stage. Yeah. D- did, somebody yeah, did, ask him, did somebody ask him about the makeup and why he decided to go that route? I mean, because that seemed, as you say, that seemed to be the whole buildup. That, that, that was the almost attention. a distraction from the, the rest of it the was. attention to the movie. Yeah. It was. And you know what? Not once did I notice it. And I will tell you this, that this makeup is going to win an Oscar because... <sighs> As he's older, Leonard Bernstein, you know, and he's sweating, he looks exactly like him. It, oh. it just, you will not believe it. Wow. You know, I yeah. think Cooper is one of those guys that, he, he always surprises me. I don't know if it's that I yeah. don't expect great things from him, and then, whoa, he's really great, or that he he's just... He's real interesting like that. It's like he's not flaunting all of his his greatness. It, 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 right, but he's two for two now. You yeah. Know, Star is Born with Lady Gaga. He directed that. And when you see what he does, not just with the performances, he was involved with every detail of this movie. And, huh. you know, early on during the strike, we couldn't talk to the actors. Mm-hmm. So we talked to the behind-the-scenes people. And everyone to a person talked about his devotion to detail and that you know, it took three or four hours at times to put the makeup on, but he was still involved. It wasn't like he could sit there and sleep in the makeup chair. Just an impressive piece of work. I, I'm really, really happily surprised by what he did here. Huh. Was this, I've heard from some sources that this was kind of a passion project for him. Is that true? Yes. Yes. As a boy, he would uh, pretend to conduct. And then six years he worked on conducting for that six-minute segment. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. I wonder. So you're going to say, wow. I can't wait to talk to you after you see it because it's really, really something special. Do you have a sense of how it's going to do at the box office? Because I'm kind of thinking that, well. Well, it's only going to be in, in theaters for a week to get it eligible, and then it's going to be on Netflix. So oh. we won't know how well it does on Netflix, but 
again, uh, the question is now, are streaming services a better place to put your movies on, you know, after you get that one week to get them eligible for an Oscar? Um, I think it'll be great that, you know, so many people can watch this movie and enjoy it in, in their homes. Interesting. The, I, I, would, I know we have to break and, and we're going to get into some other things, but I'm curious. Did you have any conversations in, in Hollywood? Is this a kind of a... Uh, we're not sure where we're going time in Hollywood because along with the strike and COVID and everything else, the industry and the sources for displaying your product are, are, are really in a state of flux. Are, is it, are you going streaming? Are you going See, to exactly, theater? What's... That's exactly what everyone's saying. And keep in mind, look at what's happened with, you know, the things that brought people into the theaters were the superhero movies. But, mm-hmm. you know, they, they saturated the market with so many of these movies that each one seems to be going down in box office yeah. because it's just too much. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Talking with Gino Salamone, she, Gino, Gino, the showbiz machino. You had the fortunate, very fortunate occasion to hang out with Dick Van Dyke. Tell us about that. Well, Dick Van Dyke was uh, being honored with a, an exhibit at the uh, Malibu City Hall. He's been a Malibu resident for much of his life. And uh, a young photographer, a female photographer, has been, uh, with, of course, the permission of Dick and his wife, Arlene, been taking pictures of him throughout the last 10 years. And they did this beautiful exhibit. And then Dick and Arlene came out and did a Q&A. And I'm telling you, I think December 12th or 13th, he turns 98. You would never, ever know it. So sharp and funny. The uh, person interviewing him on stage said, what do you attribute your your longevity to? And he said, drugs. (laughs) (laughs) And then he has this great laugh. That's what I love about him. It's like his whole body. He just is enjoying life, even at 98 years old. Yeah. Okay, wow. and I wanted to just say this. His wife, Arlene, is considerably younger, mm-hmm. um, in her late 40s, I believe. <gasps> and I know, you, okay, and I know what you're thinking when you hear that. She, this is a beautiful, beautiful love story, and she is the reason he's alive. And also, she signed, she wants nothing. She just is happy in this relationship. And I brought our friend Julia Sweeney with me, to this exhibit, and she said, when she saw them on stage, she said, "You know what? Sometimes love isn't conventional, but this is a definite love story." Wow! wow. You, forgive me because I did gasp because I did not yes. know that there was that big of an age difference. I, that yeah, uh, uh, that's that's it impressive. Me of the old joke where where you say, yes. "You know, Dick, she's yes. so much younger than you," and Dick says. Well, if she dies, she, she dies. dies. Well, that was Bob Collins' line all the time. And anytime <laughs> really? we talked about a oh, mate, oh. Oh, for years, he would just chuckle and say, if she dies, she dies. Yep. And then I foolishly one day said, what are you talking about? And, of course, all the guys just hooted and hollered. They thought that was hysterical. And then finally Google <laughs> informed me what he was talking about, what the joke was. That's funny. But it just seems like he's in such a... Uh, it, it, it's in a fortunate place because yeah. he's obviously healthy enough to do those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he did... Um, he did a whole thing at Disneyland, too. And, uh, that's right. And Arlene surprised him for his birthday. They had a flash mob perform oh. to one of the Mary Poppins songs. Yes. And yeah. the look on his face, that was one of the photos in the exhibit. He was just delighted by it. Just huh. so happy. Well, he also did the Masked Singer. 
Yeah. He was one of the contestants on The Masked Singer. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, for a 70-year-old to get in a hot suit like that and sing and dance. You, you talk about living your best life. Yes. Well, wow. And he's one. He's written two books in the last 10 years. The second one is Keep Moving. And the point <laughs> is to keep going. Like, they'll go into a store and Arlene is looking for something. And Dick will start dancing in the store. Oh. You know, he, he's that mobile and, you know... <laughs> I was so lucky about three years ago, I got to spend an afternoon there and talk to him. And, you know, I, I thought, well, maybe I better cut this short because maybe he's tired. And he said, no, no, no. We're talking about my favorite subject, me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So now this was all in one weekend. Last weekend, Gino Salamone was out in Hollywood, and he was just zipping back and forth and hanging with all these famous people. And in the last few minutes we've got here, you've got to tell us, how was it you ended up in the same room with Jimmy Jam watching Prince in Purple Rain? Okay, Phil Rosenthal, the creator of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, Mm -hmm. he also has a very successful show. If you haven't seen it, you should on Netflix called Somebody Feed Phil. He goes around the world, and he is just such a unique, happy, upbeat. Please try it. I Mm -hmm. need you to try this Okay. Anyway, every Sunday night, Phil has people over to his house and his screening room, and he has a pizza oven in the kitchen. And he had the uh, the chef from Naples there who has the most popular pizza place. And he made pizzas before and all this great food. And then you go into the screening room and Jimmy Jam was there along with Jerome Benton, who was the guy holding up the mirror for Morris Day in the time in Purple Rain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Phil Sh- oh, uh, Michael Penn and Amy Mann were there. Oh. Uh, Bonnie Hunt was there. What? Um, yes. And then... They show the movie, and it was so amazing because Jerome was in this movie, close friends with Prince, and then I spoke to them both separately. One thing that I had to ask that stuck in my mind from an old Prince interview in Rolling Stone. Now, people in Chicago will know this name, Mad Dog Vashon. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mad Dog Vashon was a professional wrestler, yeah. with Victor Bruiser and all those right. guys. And I read in this interview that Prince liked to imitate Mad Dog Vashon. So there was no time to be able to verify it like this. I cornered them both separately, and I said, is it true? Would he imitate Mad Dog Vashon? And they both said, how did you know that? Oh, <laughs> it wow. It stuck in my head from Rolling Stone. Wow. And they said, absolutely. He would do it all the time, and it was so not Prince to imitate this professional yeah. You think of him as serious and intense. <laughs> yeah. That is wonderful. You know what? And I've decided we are vicariously watch that movie with them. You know? Yeah, man, we're vicariously living through you because that when I read about that weekend, I said, "Oh my gosh, this is truly a pinch me moment." Uh, uh, Gino, it's always a great excuse to have you on the radio and catch up with you. And uh, we got about my thirty. Se- we got about thirty seconds. Any blatant plugs? People can see you yeah. or yes. do what? Yes. Uh, go to go to YouTube and uh, uh, subscribe to my channel, watch Gino TV. And I'm putting all kinds of interviews. I got a bunch of Robin Williams stuff coming up. Uh, the Adam Sandler is up there. Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso, who has a new Apple TV Plus special. You could see them all on that. Awesome. And then, of course, on Fox 6 here in Milwaukee. All right. Well, thank you. We'll talk to you soon, I hope. Okay, great. Thanks Take care, so Gino. Much. Thanks, Bye Gino. Right now. From nowhere. Made every hour sweet as a flower to me. 
Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio. Probably a lot of people listening to us right now might not know who that is, and I'm not going to tell you who it is okay. just yet, so, so stick around. File this under partly personal. Our next guest is someone that we were introduced to by my favorite author, my brother Lee. <laughs> and after Lee came out with uh, his book, Safe Inside, he established a contact with another author and started sharing some of this author's works with us. And we became very taken with this other author and his latest book, the title of which I love. Shall we do it together? Yes. <clears throat> Bing, Bing and, and Billy, Billy and, and Frank and, and Ella and, and Judy and Barbara. <laughs> A brand new book covering all of those iconic voices. Our guest has written seven books since 2011, and this is his latest book, shifting a bit from his passion for film to his love of music and these iconic voices. Our guest is Dan Callahan. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the radio tonight. Hey, Dan. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I was very happy to hear uh, the intro song there. <laughs> so now, why would that make you happy? <laughs> I think Steve is right. There are people that heard that and I'm going to say even people that might be in their 60s and 70s don't know who that person was. Because that particular well, vocal approach is not what that artist became really, really known for. So you, you want to reveal it? Right. Well, uh, actually, I begin my book with a description of that. It's Bing Crosby, and he's singing his hit, Out of Nowhere, which he recorded in 1931. So, you know, the, when he became hugely popular at that time, you know, 1931 was, you know, over, uh, it was almost 100 years ago. So uh, people probably wouldn't remember uh, that voice on the radio, but the, he became famous through that very kind of rough, impassioned sort of uh, delivery of a, of, a, of a torch song like that, which is not what he was known for later. And, you know, I mean, I think it's just a one of the most beautiful uh, recordings of its time. Your book was given to me by Steve's brother, Lee, as my birthday present. And thank goodness we have Google, because when I opened the book and it introduced me to that song by Bing Crosby, I immediately went to Google and it took me to YouTube and I got to hear it for the very first time in my life. And I thought, thank you. <laughs> what did we do before yeah, that? And with, and with Bing Crosby in particular, even for myself in writing the book, Quite a lot of the 1930s singles that made his name, that made him uh, famous, you really can't hear them any other way. Collectors, you know, have put them up on YouTube, really, they're, they're all there. And so, you yeah. know, I was typing in uh, the titles of the songs and everything, and really just bowled over by the quality of the music and the, the famous songs that he did. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's easy to remember, the Rochester and Harp. There's all these other songs that he recorded that are not too well-known, but they're very well-written and, and uh, very of interest. So I, I'm happy that we do have the Internet now, and if you're reading along with the book, that you can actually listen mm -hmm. to pretty much every song that I write about. But for Bing, you do need YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dan, I, I'm going to confess something. Uh, before we interview uh, someone, particularly an author, Johnny and I both want to devour 
the book. We haven't finished your book because it's so good, we're savoring it. This is a wonderful book. Thank you, thank you, thank you for writing this book. It's very nice of you to say, and I'm happy to hear that. And I mean, I think that, as I say, the way that I wrote the book, I do love the idea of people reading it slowly because they want to listen to the songs mm-hmm. that I'm writing about. And as I say, a lot of it, you, you can do that. I mean, and it, it used to be pretty difficult to, like, for example, Ella Fitzgerald, she recorded, you know, around uh, 50 albums or so in the 10 years that she was at her peak, for the mid-50s to mid-60s. And, you know, I mean, they were very expensive, those songbook albums. I can remember uh, when I was younger, like, saving up money Mm-hmm. to buy, you know, her George Gershwin set in particular, which is very large set, and then the Cole Porter set, and you know, a lot of them were two, three albums, and, you know, it was somewhat pricey. So uh, to be able to listen to uh, so many of them on Spotify is actually very, very nice, you know. So I'm happy that you're you're listening along, though. That's good. Can we go to the, the, the very beginning, the, the writing of the book? Because for people who know you as an author, you have written about your passion for film. You've written uh, the, the only official biography of Vanessa Redgrave. You've written about Barbara Stanwyck, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. And now this is your, your love of music. When you set out to write this book, did you decide at that time that you would write about all of these iconic voices? Or did it expand as you were researching and writing well you know it's interesting i had i'd also i'd written two books on american screen acting and the first book's 1912 to 1960 and the second book was 1960 today and so the first book was about 20 people major people and then the second book was about 40 people and i'd written about so many actors and i'd written about so many directors <laughs> and then it really was a, a, a point where I just had, you know, I had a list of people that I wanted to write uh, profiles of. And I had always wanted to write something about Billie Holiday. And, you know, I had always wanted to write something also about Ella Fitzgerald. And then, really, I think it's Gary Giddens' great book about Bing Crosby came out, and then I read it, uh, and then he had a second volume that came out. And those books really just opened my eyes as far as uh, he was concerned. And so really it came down to, I had written all these books. I had written about so many people that I wanted to write about. I wanted to write about some of these singers. I'd never written about Frank Sinatra and had wanted to. Judy Garland was the same way. And then I thought, what if I did these six people and I made it into a kind of narrative? And I made, you know, as if you're meeting one and then you meet mm-hmm. the other and then they meet each other, they collaborate, they have love affairs, they're rivals with each other, they hate each other, they love each other, they're singing the same song. And so I could compare and contrast. And so I, it just, it, you know, I, as I was writing other books, uh, Bing was the one that I didn't know as much about as I knew about the other ones. So I was, I was kind of researching him, and then when I was finally ready, I was ready, and it was really an enormous uh process because I had to research all of them. Yeah. And then once I did that, I had to keep in mind, you know, I, I had a notebook to go back and forth and say, all right, well, now Frank was playing at the Fountain Blue in November of 59, and Ella was here. And, and I would go back and forth because wow. I wanted it to be a story. Yeah. I wanted it to be a narrative. So if you read it, it was it was like you know, uh, a story with 
characters and you got mm-hmm. to know the characters very well and you would know you know if if Frank does this then this is going to happen <laughs> if Judy does something then this is going to happen and then with Bing Crosby and Alice Fitzgerald they were more complicated because they yeah, kept they didn't wear their heart on their sleeve the way that Frank and Judy did, and so I, I really did try to think of it almost like a novel, you know, almost like mm-hmm. and, and tell it as a story. That's what I thought might uh, be interesting for people who knew these singers and loved them to think of it as a story. And one of the things that I found absolutely fascinating in reading the book is one of the common threads throughout the book is Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's the he's the, the king of American music, you know. And he and Bing Crosby had uh, you know a, a friendship and a musical collaboration. And you know, it was times were very different, and it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to write about that in the book. But yeah, Louis Armstrong goes all the way through the book, um, and he does albums with Ella Fitzgerald, and uh, you know, he's. He was a musician. He was a great singer too. You know, he was also a great, a great trumpet player. And so, you know, I knew that he had to be a character that went all the way mm. through it. Um, and if you, you know, I think High Society is such a great movie. Yeah, you have Bing Crosby and you have Frank Sinatra, but you also have Louis Armstrong in a good part. You know, the kind of Greek chorus part in it. And it's in color, and uh, it's got a beautiful Cole Porter soundtrack. So, really, from the time like in the '30s when Bing would try to get Lewis into one of his movies, and they would cut him out or they'd give him bad material. By the '50s, things were changing. So, rights was coming on, and in High Society, he has a much better part. Um, but the subject of Lewis Armstrong and Bing is a very complicated subject and a very interesting subject, and. To be honest with you, I feel like there's even more that you know, I could that we could think about with that. It's a very interesting kind of thing because you know they did love each other; they really did. But it was there were a lot of barriers up that kept uh, them from being maybe the closer friends than they could right. have been. Now these are societal barriers because I was startled when you wrote that that uh, Louis Armstrong said he was never invited to Bing's house, even though they were close friends, because you just you just didn't do that. Yeah, that surprised me. Well, you know, I think it's it's interesting because Lewis talked about that in an interview he did. It was kind of wide-ranging interview they did. And he, to elaborate this a little bit, he talked about uh, getting invited to the house of a director named James Cruz, who directed mm-hmm. uh, a Western. He was a Hollywood director, and James Cruz invited him to, to a party. And then the, when Lewis went to the party, the people there who were drinking, they were just saying things to him that he didn't like. You know, the, like the irritating things, offensive things, and so you know, it was it was a bad situation. Also, you know, Bing's wife Dixie at that time was becoming a major alcoholic, mm-hmm. and so there came a point when they really weren't entertaining anymore. But as far as that goes, I think that both Lewis and Bing, you know, realized what that was. And by the sixties and seventies, I think that you know, I quote a letter that Bing. Uh, wrote to Lewis. Mm-hmm. And to me, even though Bing is always very reserved and became more so as he got older, it seems to me that that letter is a little regretful and that he would have liked mm-hmm. to have socialized more with Lewis because he did revere him very much as a, an artist and as a man. 
Absolutely. We're talking with Dan Callahan. His book is Bing and Billy and Frank and Ella and Judy and Barbara. It's published by Chicago Review Press. And uh, not only belongs in your collection, if you are a fan of the Great American Songbook, or even if you're not a fan of the Great American Songbook. If you think you know everything about these singers, oh, ho, you don't. These singers being Bing and Billy and Frank and Ella and Judy and Barbara. And one of the wonderful things about the book is that this title kind of indicates how special all of these performers are because you don't need any more than their first First names and you know exactly who we're talking about. Right. And we're talking to the author of the book, Dan Callahan. Dan, isn't that the truth? I mean, I, I, I suspect that you could probably go out on the street and just name those names and people would be able to give you the last names. Maybe not know the music, but they would know their names, right? Yeah, and if you put them together, too, mm-hmm. I think. And, and you, I mean, Bing, you know, there's no other Bing. Right. People still, I think, hopefully know Bing Crosby from his Christmas music. And, that, and then Billy Frank. Mm-hmm. Bing, Frank, you know, it's, it's when they when you put all those names together, then it's like, oh yes, like we know who all of them are. And so I, I love that the the cover of the book too. It's kind of like like I said to the publisher, I said I would love it if it was kind of like a step right up kind of thing, like mm-hmm. a neon sign, which is here are the names. These are these names. This is what we're talking about. What we're going to read about, and they really did make it look like that. I was happy with uh, with the way it looked. It made me feel kind of cool when we were playing that little bit of Billie Holiday because I was thinking, wow, this station is 100 years old, and that was probably being played yeah. you know, back when it was really popular. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. Until I picked up your book, Dan, my knowledge of Billie Holiday was Lady Sings the Blues, that movie. Right. I mean, and that introduced me to actually, her. Actually, that's the first time that I think a lot of people, you know, when I was a kid, I saw that movie. Mm-hmm. And then I think I was in college. The ones that I, I fell for were the Columbia uh, sides that she did from 1933 to the early 40s. There were on nine CDs that collected all of the material that she did then. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would just save it because to me it's like it's like Mozart or something. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the inventiveness of, of the way that she sings. Uh, every song that she's given, she transforms it into something. And, you know, we have this idea of Billie Holiday as a very tragic figure. But I think what, uh, what you were just playing just now, you can hear in the 30s, the Billie Holiday that I love is the one who can sing about joy. And she sings about joy in this very yeah. laid-back kind of way, but she offers you this kind of paradise. And it's a little scary, too, because Billie Holiday is kind of all about altered consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, and getting past certain things. And so you know, she's always lagging behind the beat a little bit. Mm. She's always deconstructing the melody. And so it's always with her, it's not straightforward. I mean, she's one of the great American artists. So I loved writing about her. And as you point out, one of, one of the things I've always loved about Billie Holiday, every single song Billie Holiday ever sang she made her own in her own way. That was Billie Holiday. Yes, and even when you know she was being given these songs, you know, and they were new at the time. Like, I mean, there was a point when they can't take that away from me. It was a new song, mm-hmm. you know, or "Easy to Love." The Cole Porter's had been these. These were actual new songs that had been written for films or for shows, 
when she was singing them, she wasn't. She didn't sing them the way they were written. She would always slightly change it a little bit, and that's what jazz music is. That's what jazz singing is. And then by the fifties, of course, a lot of other people were doing that. But she would do that. And for for Ella Fitzgerald, you know, sometimes she was a crowd pleaser. And so if you if you ask if the crowd wanted something, she would try to do it. Louis mm-hmm. Armstrong was like that. Billie Holiday wasn't like that. She was going to do it the way she was going to do it. And if you didn't like it, well, too bad. You know, that, that's what made her a little different. I, it would be wonderful if there was a, a movie that really introduced us to Billie Holiday. Because, you know, honestly, I loved Diana Ross and Lady Sings the Blues. And as you said, and as I always suspected, that was really not her life. No, because, you know, it was her autobiography was you know to make money and mm-hmm. the her last husband Louis McKay he took control of that and he was a pretty uh, bad guy he was hmm. not, he was not, not the best guy uh, and he sold the movie and so in the movie version Billy D Williams is the most attractive yes. nice guy in the world yes. so loyal <laughs> and she's just always you know screwing up and getting on heroin again. You know, the real Louis McKay wasn't anything like that. And the actual story, see, the actual story of Billie Holiday, I don't know if you could tell it in, in a movie. It would be a little much. It would be too much mm. to watch. You know, I think maybe what could ha- you could do the early years, the early times when, when she was singing, I think that could maybe be something. The decline and all that, I, I don't think that we would want to, want to see that particularly. Yeah. But I think the, maybe the years when she was, you know, singing at the clubs up in Harlem and then doing her first recordings, mm-hmm. that could be something. But, you know, the, there's a, you know, documentaries, things like that. There's been good books, too, mm-hmm. about her. And people will continue to write about her. She's never-endingly fascinating. You know, there's, there's no limit to what you can do with her and do the ways you can interpret her. And the same goes for most of the people in the book. Frank Sinatra's like that, too. Yeah. There's been so many books about Frank Sinatra. There have been so many books about Judy Garland, and there are going to be more, because these are big-time figures. Mm-hmm. And these are figures that, as time goes by, different times come, you see them in a different way. Yeah. The really big people, they speak to each time, and you can change. They change with the time, and you interpret them in a different way as the times go on. We're going to take a quick break and come back, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Bing and Billy and Frank and Ella and Judy and Barbara. The book is published by Chicago Review Press, and we're talking with Dan Callahan on WGN. My name is Barbara. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. I will never forget the day I first heard that song. I had the very good fortune of growing up in a family where quite frequently we would get together in the living room and we would share each other's favorite music. I would share Elvis. Lee would share some opera. My dad would share... Uh, some Fats Waller. Hokey Carmichael. Yeah, and, and we all got to a point of appreciating each other's music. Mm-hmm. And it was a Saturday afternoon. Hmm. And Lee brought that album in. And even though I was all about Elvis and, and rock and roll, I knew there's something special going on here. 
And I genuinely liked, not like, loved that music. We're talking about that music and a lot of the music that makes up the Great American Songbook with right. the author of Bing and Billy and Frank and Ella and Judy and Barbara. And that was Barbara Streisand, and the author of the book is Dan Callahan. And Dan, I have to ask you, because your book came out on my birthday, September 5th, Barbara Streisand's 1,000-page memoir just came out. Is it true that she mentioned that you beat her to it by writing about her? <laughs> I don't know about that, but you know, it's, it's an, it doesn't have an index, as you know, her book, <laughs> and it's awfully... It, I'll tell you, though, it had every snack she's ever had and every dress she's ever bought. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a you know, it's, it's a, Yeah, and I... I ended my book with her uh-huh. because it struck me that she was the last singer to make a big name for for themselves with those songs, mm-hmm. with Harold Arlen songs or with George Gershwin songs. She made even when El- it was Elvis and the Beatles and everything that was all happening. Mm-hmm. She came in right at the end mm-hmm. and somehow made a name for herself singing these songs that, you know, Frank and Billie Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald, that they they had all sung. She sang them mm-hmm. in her own way, and she had this very strange, spectacular, spooky voice that when I was a kid, it was uh, my parents played uh, the Broadway album. It's kind of a comeback for her where she sang uh, show music again. And I remember thinking when I was a little kid, what is this voice? This voice doesn't sound like anything else I've ever heard. It sounds like something from outer space, you know. Um, And I think she really, even though she kind of gave in and started, you know, she did uh, some disco even Mm -hmm. and all that. When she came back to doing live concerts, most of what she sang was... She would sing Stormy Weather, or she'd mm-hmm. sing, you know, uh, For All We Know. She would sing these great songs, and she returned back to it. That's her original passion. Those are the songs, the music that she loves. And so, you know, to me, she's kind of the last standard bearer for that music, because right. she's the last one who can fill a stadium, and she's singing songs like that. Yeah. You know? And and of course, when you look at the, the the names of the people that you write about, she's the last living one, and you have to find. At least I found myself thinking, you know, who's out there now that you know will carry on the torch? Who will be singing this music? And and yeah, you know, I think of like we had this discussion at Thanksgiving. Is Michael Bublé? Is is he that guy? Michael Feinstein. And, and as much as I like Michael Bublé. I keep hearing, okay, Michael Bublé is sort of, what, Sinatra light? Uh, <laughs> and there's Audra McDonald. She's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who uh, who oh, would yeah. you say is, is doing this music and doing it justice? Well, yeah, do you know someone that I really love an awful lot who's a living singer who's, who's uh, you know, is Barbara Streisand's age now and doesn't get mentioned enough when it, when it comes to the great singers and she is sings a very eclectic kind of repertoire. It's Judy Collins. Oh, oh yeah, Judy Collins, and she's singing as beautifully as she ever was. Interesting. And if you, like, she actually she just put out an album called Spellbound last yeah. year. There was an album of all original material, songs that she had written herself, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I I was very very happy. And she 
still has the voice. She's in her early 80s, and she's usually that type of voice, the soprano, like that high kind of voice, mm-hmm. that goes pretty early usually. But she has held on to it. She's kept it. I mean, I think she's very good. As you say, Audrey McDonald, you know, there's people who sing uh, you know, Broadway show music. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is they don't have the writers. You know, they don't have the writers. Yeah. You know, they had Stephen Sondheim and then Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know, but after that, you know, the, there's a lot of music, the, the musical theater of today, to me, it seems as if everybody can write lyrics, but no one can write a melody. It's hmm. like no one can write a melody at all, and I don't know, I don't understand what it is, but it's like the the melody thing seems to have gone out, where it's, you know, that generation of songwriters, the Jerome Kern, George Gershwin, Cole Porter, Irving Berlin, Mm-hmm. who didn't even know how to write music or read music. Melody to them, it just came to them. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. I don't know what it was. It was an extraordinary generation of, of people who were songwriters. Uh, and I tried to write about that in the book, too, because I did research that. I, would, I read books about Irving Berlin and Jerome Kern, and then, of course, the great arrangers of those albums, Nelson Riddle. What would, would Frank Sinatra be without Nelson Riddle yeah. arranging yeah. the great albums mm-hmm. of his from the 1950s? And also the Ella Fitzgerald albums. Nelson Riddle is a, a, a giant, you know, as far as this music mm-hmm. goes. How long did it take you to write this book? This was a pandemic project. This is kind of ah. like the, the length of it. So around, around two years, yeah. So I worked on it, and then I had very good uh, editors at the Chicago Review Press. I was very happy with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it it that I really just you know buckled down, and it was the kind of thing that when I really get into it, I run to the kitchen to get a sandwich, and I kind of resent that I have to <laughs> chew it to swallow it because I want to run back. <laughs> you know, oh, that's so, great! Um, so you know, it's kind of a you know morning, noon, and night type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, this was the most ambitious uh, project that I've ever taken on. And to me, it was it was, it was the most fulfilling too. Mm-hmm. I, I just I really enjoyed the challenge of trying to get because you, know, you have to. With this, you can't have too much information about one person or too little. You know, it has to be, you have to select, I have to know everything and I have to select the right details. What is the detail you need? What is the quote? What is the story you need? You can't afford to linger too much because, you know, lengthy books have been written about, you know, James Kaplan wrote this two volume Frank Sinatra biography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Extremely helpful. But, you know, it, it takes you into minute detail (laughs) with every song, every scandal and so forth. I had to select what I needed for my own book and, and, you know, make sure that it was all in proportion and that we weren't getting too much of one person or too much of another. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way it's structured, there's a lot of Bing at the beginning because he started first Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of Barbara at the end because she's ending it. And then in the middle, that's kind of the big part of the book where it's like, Everybody is doing all these long playing albums in the fifties. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the crest of a wave, you know. And maybe the the longest chapter and the most intense chapter is about when Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald are doing these great long playing records. Wow. <laughs> 
have to ask you, um, because we we talked a, um, a little bit before you were on the air with us about this new movie called The Maestro that's coming out. And yes, film is your passion, too. We're going to take a quick break and come back. And I just want to ask you if you, if you have any feelings about that, um, um, because it's kind of been a little bit, I, I guess you could say, controversial we're talking with dan callahan he's the author of being and billy and frank and ella and judy and barbara it's published by chicago review press and real quick i gotta say we've getting some wonderful texts from people that are saying thank goodness somebody has written this book and this is my favorite text a regular listener to the show says i tuned in tonight when you played the introductory song with being and i looked up the book and based on the reviews of the author's prior writings this promises to be excellent i have read a lot about Frank Sinatra, a little bit about Barbara in the early 60s New York. Thanks for having Mr. Callahan as a guest tonight. A great introduction, and I have ordered the book. And that's what it's all about. So if you're looking for a great Christmas present, you can order it right now. We'll come right back with Dan after this on WGN. Only the lonely dream. Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio. We're talking with Dan Callahan, the author of Bing and Billy and Frank and Ella and Judy and Barbara. And uh, you can check out Dan's website. It's callahandan.wordpress.com. One of the many things that impressed me about this book, Dan, is I guess I never, as much as I was a fan of their music, I never really focused in on the difference between a Bing Crosby who brought performance expertise to what he did and Frank Sinatra who brought life expertise to his performances. And you articulate that so well in the book. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating because Bing was the biggest star in America in the 1930s, and Bing was uh, Frank's idol when he when he was starting out. And when you know, it took Frank a, a little while really to, to catch up. And they are very different. And I think one of the key differences is really Bing Crosby can do a rhythm number. He was influenced by Louis Armstrong. If you give Bing Crosby a rhythm number, he can play around with it. He can. Whereas Frank Sinatra's, you know, as you like, you were playing that song, and I was just hearing, he's the master of, you know, he's drama, hmm. so it's high drama. And he's the master of phrasing too. Like he'll, you expect him to hold a note, and he might cut it off. <laughs> like he, he really knows that dramatic effect. With Bing Crosby, except in the early years, he could be you know a little, a little dramatic, but, but he was famous for his cool as he went on. He pulled back; he was reserved, you know. And so they really are very different types of singers. Even though Frank started out wanting to be like Bing, and Bing was his you know big idol, um, they're very very different. And you know, as far as rivalry goes, it is fascinating as I was researching, mm-hmm. that there comes a, there's a key point in the book where Bing uh, you know, trumps Frank socially, uh, <laughs> and Frank just loses his mind over it. So even though Frank had conquered albums, you know, and, and he was a, really, there wasn't a bigger star than Frank in the 50s and 60s, and Bing had kind of started to recede into sort of an emeritus figure. Socially, 
thing was still tops. And see, that's what that's just very interesting to me mm-hmm. about them. And then, of course, Billy and Ella had the same type of rivalry yes. uh, together. And Ella, Ella idolized Billy. And Billy wasn't always sure that she was crazy about Ella singing. But then, you know, Billy was great about changing her mind. And she changed her mind by the 50s and was talking about how Ella was singing really well. So it was very interesting to me to write about these great singers and compare and contrast their work Mm -hmm. and also write about how they felt about each other and how that changed over time. Oh, very interesting. So well done. So well done. And and before we let you go, I I said I wanted to ask you to to put on your film lover's hat and, and, and your film critic's hat. Are you excited about the new movie Maestro? Uh no, not particularly. <laughs> no. I, I, I have to say, Leonard Bernstein, the TCM shows, those TV shows that he used uh-huh. to do, where he would explain things, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. He, I seem to remember like, he would have a blackboard even. And what struck me was he was able to explain very complicated musical concepts in a way that just about anybody could understand because he had a way of expressing himself very simply, and he was so charismatic, you know? And so mm-hmm. as far as he goes, you know, I mean, he was a great you know, ornament of American culture uh, in the 20th century. And, you know, these biopics, you know, I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, it seems to me that they're just focusing on his difficult marriage uh, with his wife, which, you know, it doesn't sound like the most interesting way to go to But me. the kids... Um, but again, you know, I haven't seen the movie yet. There's but, lots of other movies that I'm interested uh, yeah, in seeing. Yeah, that is the music-related one. I, I just yeah. want to mention that our, there, our critic that we talked to just before you joined us tonight, he'd seen the movie twice, and he said that he interviewed uh, the, the kids, and, and they are also excited about the movie. So that kind of made me swing a little bit toward the... Hmm, I'm going to get... That's exactly, that's exactly why I'm not interested. <laughs> see, see, because the kids, the kids are involved, yeah. they want a certain... Oh, good them. point. You oh, know? I hadn't thought of that, Even, yes. But, though, actually, on the other hand, I seem to remember that his children have been pretty frank about his flaws. Mm-hmm. But I think that's partly why, you know, that's partly why... The movie is about his relationship with his wife, which, you know, again, that that isn't the most interesting thing about him. I would think the most interesting thing would be to watch him at work conducting and writing scores, collaborating. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're doing a movie about him, why not do the making of West Side Story or the making of or so many ways you could do it. I think because the children are involved, they want to get in the family story, which... Again, anyway, I get the sense that we have just begun a conversation with you. So, can we ask if you will come, come back, back at some point and let's talk about oh, yeah, films, some of the Christmas movies? Yes, you. I'm from Chicago. You know. Yes, you so, are. Yes, you are. Yeah. yeah, and you have written a fabulous book. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Dan Callahan. It's been such a pleasure, and I hope we can do this again. This has been a real treat. Thanks Thank a bunch, you. Dan. And you can, again, check out Dan's website. It's callahandan.wordpress.com. That was fun. We'll be back on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman, and I have a problem 
every time I play that song because I want to let it play to the end of the song. That's the Empty Pockets, and I got shocked by an electrician. Yeah, we got half the Empty Pockets in the studio with us tonight. Good to be here. Thanks for having us, Thank you. Yes, we got Josh and Erica. And I wanted to be sure to mention that we have half the group here because, gosh, you guys have been tirelessly traveling around the country performing the four of us have been to the coasts and back many times in the last five months oh and we live the drama of your van breaking down in the desert it's not a tour unless you got a good van breakdown story Uh, yes and it has to be like a real scary place (laughs) this year's was a uh broken down in bozeman was this year i got a new song okay i said it was the desert i felt like you had to get through the the middle of montana yeah (laughs) that's pretty close a desert with a van with with no name so so there's a song came out of that yeah yeah, i did i wrote a a song that's in progress called broken down in bozeman want to give us a tease and uh, yeah how does that go <laughs> Broken down in Bozeman on a Tuesday afternoon. The bright Gallatin easing our worries. Oh. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's a whole song. That's close enough for jazz. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are going to stay closer to home for a couple of weeks at least. Thank goodness. Yes. yes. And, and we booked you for tonight, way back in the summertime, because we knew you're so busy. And they are going to be at the uh, City Winery. We love the City Winery in Chicago. We That's love a you. great room. Oh, love it. It sounds great. It does. It is comfortable. It's It's romantic. It's all of that. And the food is dang good, too. The food's dang good. The wine's nice. It's it's a nice dark room. People listen to the music. You don't have to fight for a good spot. We like to sit at that first landing, so you're looking over the heads of the people in front of you. It's the first landing up. Yeah. Yeah. The the spot you're talking about. Great great shot of the the stage. Yep. And the sound is good right there, too. Oh, yeah. It is. And we've been at quite a few city wineries this year nashville new york boston atlanta so it'll be nice to come home mm-hmm. and be at the chicago city winery on the 17th really I, looking forward to i that. think chicago city winery might be the best city winery the best city don't winery. tell the other cities <laughs> right. yeah that i said that right december 17th chicago city winery you can get your tickets through the winery website but we should also mention because i love the ark in ann arbor oh, great yeah. you guys are going to be there on the 2nd of december yeah it's our first time ever headlining it which is a big deal for nice. us it's a true listening room it oh, yeah. is and, and our, uh, ann arbor is a great town in fact huge football game today oh, yeah. it was a big, hopefully they'll still be celebrating next weekend <laughs> yeah. and all come to our show sorry OSU <laughs> sorry guys in fact I'm looking at your tour schedule and you guys are playing all the really good rooms on this tour we're trying you know wow. it's, it makes a difference my, my wife Erica that's me. Is passionate <laughs> about playing the she right. She plays the girl. She's in the playing band. the part of the wife. <laughs> yes, she plays the part of of my wife in the band. Of my wife. <laughs> but you are always passionate about playing like the right room. Yeah, because you know, like the atmosphere at, in with which you see a show really contributes to your magical experience. You know, absolutely. Like, what does the room feel like? What are the people? How are the people interacting with each other? What does it feel like on your skin? You know, and mm-hmm. with how amazing streaming services are now 
You know, like you could watch anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a new show every freaking week. Uh, I think the live experience has to be magical in order for people yeah. to keep coming out yeah. and yeah. I agree. and paying money for that. And that's kind of what we've dedicated our life towards, this live performance. So we're like, got to keep it magical. <laughs> then this past year, have you performed at any venues where everybody stands through oh, the show? Oh, sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Totally yeah. different vibe. It is. You know, I well, like... I'm sorry. I've gotten too old. I can't stand there well, for an hour what and a does, half. <laughs> what does that do to you, you as a performer when the audience is standing rather than sitting? And, and well, there's a different it, way that people it? interact with the music in terms of their bodies, right? Yes. So, like, yeah. people have a much more organic, like, sway when they're standing up. Um, when people are sitting down, I definitely look for the people who are jamming out, mm-hmm. even though they're sitting. Yeah. Because you know? mm-hmm. that does really feed me, so... Yeah, but it's tough because is like, the table moving. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. That's how I know I'm like doing it right. For for standing, it's much more important vibe wise for it to be totally full. Because if it's yes. not totally full standing, you got like awkward times. Yeah. So I'd not thought about that. Yeah, it's you don't true. want that like space in front of the stage, you know? Yeah. yeah like if it's going to be half full, sitting is so much better. <laughs> you know, just like everybody sit, <laughs> chill. No, of course, a good if, it's, time. if they're all standing, you could say, well, we're glad all you small people joined us. <laughs> yes. <today."> yes. <laughs> you take up so little room. Hey, I'm, I'm petite. I get it. Right. I appreciate the petite people. <laughs> They walked in and they said, welcome, Little Pockets. <laughs> I went, whoops. But, but is, you know, I said that lovingly. Yeah, of course. You know, as a six foot tall woman. Oh my, said, we are were, you six feet, Johnny? She's tall. We should we should stand next to each other. How no. did I not figure this out? We've sat next to each other a lot of times. That's why I always have you in the chair and I stand behind you. Because <laughs> we took pictures when uh, mm-hmm. they, they walked in with gifts. They brought us their album on vinyl. Yes, oh, I love physical media. I can't yes. get enough of it. You know, I've been we've been using a lot of vinyl lately, and I'm I'm at the point where now I want to buy the accoutrements to like clean it properly. Yeah, and like you know, like treat the needle very yeah. specifically. Yes. Yeah, so you know, maybe like, I got to talk to you over the last like yeah. eight or ten years. I've gotten into coffee, right? And mm-hmm. one of the cool things about coffee is I like, want to hear the connection the between coffee and vinyl. I'm going to make it. I want to see how you're right okay, here, Steve. I'm, I'm, I'm following. In the rituals, like some of the best parts of coffee, it's the same with vinyl. I love. Oh the ritual of like if we're cooking you put a side on it plays for 20 minutes and then you go back to it physically you flip Flip it it. yes 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 yes, i agree we have to come to our house where we have as our neighbor said what are those (laughs) i said those are speakers my friend (laughs) very nice that they come to yep. your waist they're so big yeah. in our living room but he was these like these are old school speakers that. That are yeah, he literally wonderful. looked like whoa those aren't bookcases what are they I love that like I bet you that speakers, sounds good the speakers that throw Macaulay Culkin out of the water yes. in, in that one music video yes yes mm-hmm. and then we have a turntable that you well, said well, that's one of the three turntables yeah yes <laughs> nice yes. three yeah. Yes. Wait, what are the different functions? Yes. They're, they're just different kinds of turntable. One is a kind of a, okay, I just want to check this out. And can I, what does it sound like? Mm-hmm. The other is a, is a Thorens, which is a <gasps> wonderful oh, really turntable. Yeah, yeah, fancy. Yeah. yeah. So and that's that, the one that you said, there's dust on the, oh no, that's not dust. The needle is going into the vinyl. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. had the call. 
In fact, I had to call a, a professional. A, gr- a great place that unfortunately I believe closed used to be on Davis Avenue in Evanston. Audio Techniques, I think. That's, oh, yeah. yeah. That's where you can get there. your stylus yeah. and all that good stuff. I follow a Chicago guy named High Def Jeff. Okay. And I think he can fix it for you. I'm him. confident Hi. that's all back. Like, we're, yeah. it's not going anywhere yeah. anymore. I think a, a new generation is discovering Well, vinyl. do you have a, a lot of demand? Do people say, oh, I can't wait to get your, your we CDM vinyl? We always sell out of our vinyl. And we just surpassed our last few venues. We surpassed vinyl sales uh, you know, compared to CD sales. What? Yeah. yeah As it should be. Yeah. I agree. So it's a cool. wonderful medium. I like yeah. both. I think that there's a place for a CD, but the final is my favorite. And it's mediums. purple. Is that what you... This mean? new one uh, is from our album last year called Outside Spectrum, and the it's a colored vinyl, so the actual vinyl itself is translucent purple. It is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you guys. Is I love it. Very nice. And it, in addition to being vinyl, you can actually read the liner notes. Mm. What a concept. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The yep. whole presentation is great of a vinyl like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got Josh and Erica. They are half of the Empty Pockets. And yes, December 17th, they're going to be at the City Winery here in Chicago. And then next weekend, they're going to be in Ann Arbor at the Ark. Uh, then uh, Wisconsin, they're coming your way to Watoma, Wisconsin at the Macomb uh, Performing Arts Center on the 9th of December. You can follow them on their website and you can follow them on our show. We've locked the doors. They're here for a bit. <laughs> so stay with us on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putnam at WGN Radio. Party at the North Pole, the Christmas album from the Empty Pockets. (laughs) That is such a good album. It is a good album. And this is year two for Party at the North Pole, right? Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. I don't think there are that many songs about the uh, day after Christmas, so we got that market cornered. Yeah. And um, there's just not a lot of new Christmas CDs that get put out. No, it's, I mean, it's tough because there's people a lot do of the same old same. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I've already heard that a million times. Yeah. Yeah, and we're we're the empty pockets. We believe in the you know, the working man and the working class, hence party at the North Pole. We're really supporting the elves. <laughs> they need a chance. <laughs> yeah. Rudolph oh. needs a day off, guys. A day off yeah. for all the workers. <laughs> And that's what that song's about. Workers' rights. <laughs> Workers' rights. <laughs> Unionize, guys. Unionize, yeah. Well, spe- speaking of your music, uh, yeah. before we get too carried away, we're going to shut up. What would you like to do? <laughs> uh, let's do a song from uh, from the, that new vinyl, Larry. Yeah. This is, a, this is a little bit about when somebody says, why do you guys do this crazy career? Uh, this is kind of our answer to that. It's called A Bird Does Not Sing. sing because it has an answer it sings because it has a song we started out in New York City to end the run in Tennessee when the van broke down in Carolina 
the finish was no guarantee. So we play all night. We'll just sleep all day. Please don't ask us why. Just come hear us play. A bird does not sing because it has an answer. It sings because it has a song. I can't tell. Herself, she was born to be a dancer. Takes one step, and everybody's grooving along. It don't take long to empty out our pockets right before we hit the stage. And she's there dancing in her corner. Working out frustration and rage, so we drove all night. We'll just sleep all day. Please don't ask us why. Just come hear us play. A bird does not sing. Because it has an answer, it sings because it has a song. I can't tell herself she was born to be a dancer. Takes one step and everybody's grooving along. Yeah. That's some big time goosebumps. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you guys are the best. Yeah. Uh, the lyrically that 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 answers the question why. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I think it's an I think it's an ancient Chinese proverb type situation. A bird does not sing because it has an answer. It sings because it has a song. It's just like called out it. Us. That's like, oh, wonderful. Gotta, gotta write a yeah. song about that. You know, sometimes you just make art because you have to, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Is that one of the songs that kind of came quickly to you? Oh yes. That, that, Very that's much how so. it feels. Like here's the emotion and yeah, yeah. And I just loved that line and I researched that line a little bit. And it's one of those interesting things. Like I think it was falsely um, attributed attributed to Maya Angelou, which it sounds like a something yeah. she would say for sure. And I think she put it in a book, but it's like a thousands year old phrase. And I love that. It's just like everything doesn't have to be useful, you know, like sometimes <laughs> yeah. you just do it because <laughs> I actually recently read that scientifically we we have discovered that birds do just sing songs yes they communicate yes they have Mm -hmm. songs for you know a mate songs for various Mm -hmm. communication things but they also really do just create it's a funny (laughs) thing about art right it's like sort of not useful and then you it is useful obviously (laughs) you know well speaking of birds singing i I bet you're going where i was gonna go (laughs) just a little bit of a segue have you guys ever seen a wonderful 
documentary that was on PBS a couple years ago called A Murder of Crows. No. Because a, a group of crows is called a murder. Yes, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Sometimes in the van we play weird games and we try to name all of those things. Right. Like what all the animals are called. Right. Murder of crows is a good one. Yeah. Find it. Okay. Watch it. I'm writing it down. Yes. Crows are so intelligent. They have... They may be the smartest bird in the world. They have documented, for example, if, if you were nice to a crow, and I'm not exaggerating... <laughs> The crow. Like, that's so happened to me. That's happened to me before. The, sure. the crow nice will spread crow. the word to, to other to crows. The crows in real life. And yes. two oh. years d- oh, down the road, if you're walking down the street, there will be some crows that will recognize you. <gasps> that I absolutely know. Because true. I read this Josh, book, we have this to write a follow-up. Ka. Yes. K-A, okay. Which tells the story of humanity through like all thousands of years through mm-hmm. the eyes of a crow. Mm-hmm. And it talks a lot about that concept that like crows remember everything. So when you look at them and you go, "Oh, you ugly!" Bleh. No, they're looking at you, going, "Well, they I won't forget so this behavior." Smart. Oh, I'm I like cataloging that. Cataloging the way you <laughs> look. Theoretically, today. a crow could be like, "I remember when that guy was hey, a jerk." Yes. In the documentary, they wore a mask, <laughs> no. and the crows and the crow still, still recognized them. them. No, you yes. guys. Wow. The scientists wore Seriously. masks. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to check this out. And this and the scientists were like a little freaked out too because they went, "Wait, wait!" And then when one dies, they have a funeral. The no, the like yes. elephants do. Yeah, yes. yeah. I want to go to an elephant funeral. I don't know. I, don't I want know. an elephant to die, but I just kind of want to experience. The, I want uh, one for a friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've lost our minds. Yeah. We oh, that have. happened a long time ago. <laughs> all right. So what kind of funeral is it? A wake, open casket? It's an elephant funeral, actually. It's, it's all elephants. Josh, that's what I'd like. Put an it on the record tonight. I'd like an elephant funeral. Okay. We're gonna Try take a happen. break. So we'll put we you may... in the trunk. We... Oh. <laughs> You know, I'm sure we need meds. Or if our bass player Nate was here, he would go, boo. Get out of the van. Get out of the van. We're going to take a break, and I will be distributing the meds. And we'll be right back here on WGN. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Empty pockets in the studio with us. And the the forecast is for... about two inches of snow. Maybe. I, I said, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Miss Skeptical. You? I know. And we'll, I'll be out there shoveling it, going, Bleh. A lot of weather skepticism in front of us here in Chicago with skilling, retiring. I don't know, I know. who we're going to trust. How will yeah. we survive? I don't know He's trained so many, do. though. Trust me. Oh, that's good to know, actually. And I think when he goes off to Hawaii, he'll probably be checking in to be sure we're doing it right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, Empty Pockets are with us in the studio. Uh, half of the Empty Pockets, uh, Josh Solomon and Hello. Erica Brett. Hey. You should check out their website, theemptypockets.com where you can find all kinds of stuff. You will find, uh, oh, well, let me see. You will find home, music, bio, tour, contact, oh, yeah. Will's Place. Um, and epic? You want to explain epic? Epic is the best. The Empty Pockets Insiders Club. It's like our VIP club. It's backstage, literally, and backstage virtually, we hang out every month with all of our Epic members. To do your concert. Yeah, and do our online concert yeah. and go back and forth, answer questions, or just take... That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah it's a it's real a, community. Mm-hmm. It's a big future of the music industry in general, I think, if we're going to break royalties down into these little penny streams we're gonna all have to figure out something else yeah and so mm-hmm. the uh the vip membership is working out for bands like us yeah and they, 
They like they are they're so wonderful. Yeah. I also think on the website you will find that the Empty Pockets had the number one blues uh, album. Yeah, in two of the them. country. How cool is yeah. that? Oh, we love it. This year and last year, number one blues album in Billboard magazine. It's kind of a dream. We're very proud. We're we're a totally independent band, and so we was are, it last year you were above Bonnie Raitt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Beat her both years. This year too. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 Oh, Bonnie's going to come after you. I hope so. <laughs> Please, I hope so. Tell her to give me a <laughs> yeah. ring, Bonnie. I love you. <laughs> we love all those people on the chart. I mean, Tedeschi yeah. Trucks Band, Mavis Staples, Eric Clapton, yes. Samantha Fish. A lot of amazing artists on that chart. I don't know that I ever asked you. Uh, we know that you both contribute to the creative process. Who does the marketing? Because your marketing is so cool and so creative. Who's the marketing? High five marketing team. Erica's our graphic designer. Erica and I do all the marketing. We do it all. Uh, the band, the whole band works on our, our marketing. We're a true independent team. But all yeah, working together. You now we're doing Facebook advertising and we're doing email advertising. Text advertising. We're just... Uh, you stuff the envelopes to sure mail do. your CDs out. Yeah. Yes, yes. We, we really do it all and it's it's a labor of love and it's just a joy to be able to make music and send it to people and have them want more. <laughs> so when you order a product from the Empty Pockets, you are getting their DNA on the product. <laughs> sure are. You sure Fingerprint are. that, you know? So, so, so you could... Potentially, if you were Sheldon Clone Cooper, them? you could grow a future empty pockets. <gasps> yeah, you theoretically could. Depending on the science you have at home, you I've absolutely ne- could. We have cloning potential in those emails. So I actually think the meds just kicked in. Yeah. I have everybody listening, they just heard that happen. I'm feeling very balanced myself over oh, here. There's baby Far pockets out. everywhere. Yeah, we, we are an independent operation. We we put the you know, we make the products ourselves. <laughs> Do you write? Er, do you write every day, or do you say we need new product, or I feel the inspiration, or do you take every Thursday off? <laughs> <laughs> I write almost every day, but not a lot of that is. You know, it's tough. You can't really think about it being something yet. I think I just write, mm. and then later it's, we kind of say, "Hey, that was good. Yeah. We should go back to that." So mm-hmm. I think at first, it I, I found we've all found it's better to not put any pressure on it yeah, and we to don't just like, write for no reason, no creating for production. You know, like just just create, and then you know we'll make it. I know, like when I read a book or watch a movie or listen to a song, and I hear the effort, like mm-hmm. that they made it for mm-hmm. this. I don't like that as much. Mm-hmm. I like a no reason. So, okay. so a lot of times we are inspired. Like I've written some tunes that I may never share because like some of them are weird thoughts about, you know, what's going on in the world or what's going on in Israel or, or whatever, a, a different mm-hmm. idea of a holiday song. And a lot of that only Erica hears. Mm-hmm. In fact, my leap, my most critical of another artist, if I hear a song and I'm like, I don't like this song. They didn't do a good job. I'll be like, Erica, you would have never let this song out of our house. <laughs> You know, <laughs> which is that's it's round good. one of uh, yeah. critique in our world is Erica lets me. I feel to- like I have like the the hands that are like doing the mm, <laughs> mm, look at me and my power. I just realized you you had a great song line there. Ooh. I really didn't think about it being something yet, but it was. Ooh. Ooh. It's jazzy. Mm-hmm. You made that sound very nice. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. What would you guys like to do? <laughs> Actually, they've taken a request from me. We sure okay. have. It might snow tomorrow. It so we're going to do one of our snow songs. Yay! This is uh, it's called Snowshoes. It's a we, classic Chicago song. We wrote this in a Chicago blizzard. This is when you take a vacation, but you don't leave. You do a staycation. 
let's not wait till sunlight. The timing now feels just right. I'm coming over to you, darling. Go put on your snowshoes. On second thought, let snowshoes not where we're going to. We'll start before the dawn and waste the day. Heralded by wispy clouds of gray. If you get to choose where and when you can be, well, I hope you choose right here and now with me. With me, baby. Why resist temptation on a make-believe vacation? There's no in between, darling. You can hog the pillows. Pretend the plants are willows. The dishwashers are stream. We might sleep right through the afternoon. Oh yeah. Wake before that rising city moon. If you get to choose where and when you can be. Well, I hope you choose right here and now with me.
Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. That is so good. Yay. It is. And it's so fun oh. to watch you guys perform it, too. I like that song. Gosh, Thanks for snow And you always do it as if it's the first, first time. time. You, you bring that same energy to oh, it. Oh, yeah. I love that. You do. That's a big part. I think that's a big part of live performance. I always used to marvel over somebody like um, Zero Mostel. You ever see the Fiddler yeah. on the Roof movie? Yeah. And he's in that, and he also did it like 5,000 times. Mm-hmm. And I just like that concept of like, do it again like yeah. you've never done it yeah. before. And the, the flip side of that is when you do it Vegas. I hate When you that. just, you know, <laughs> zip through I, it because you've done it so many times. I gotta collect my paycheck. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I saw a production on Broadway like that one time uh-huh. where I was like, oh, they all are. Ugh. Getting they're, the money. They're going home. <laughs> Tell them the Bon Jovi story. <laughs> oh, when, we, when I saw Bon Jovi, we, I was just working at Soldier Field. Uh he referenced living on a prayer, which I respect. Like, if you have a hit, you have a hit. Yeah. Five different times. It was five times that he worked that song into his show. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Don't forget, I wrote living on a prayer. Yeah. And he was, and it, it was like a half a chorus, like every half an hour. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's I love that. It's an interesting concept. I just think that's brilliant. It, well, yeah. Give the people a... what they want. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Of course, probably 90% of that audience wanted something else because he's so darn cute. True. <laughs> right? I know what you're referring to, and I'm yes. sure that's true. Just for a second, let's share a little bit about Will's Place Ugh. and your involvement with Will's Place and how cool this past year has been. Really amazing. I have a, a little brother, not that little anymore, he's 22 <laughs> years old, named William. Uh, he and I both... Went to high school, and all my siblings, in Skokie, Niles West High School. And now right down, uh, William has uh, disabilities. He, he doesn't speak. And makes it tough to enter the job market. And so my mother and my aunt and all of us started a nonprofit called Will's Place. It's a cafe in Skokie. On and Lincoln. On Lincoln, right near our high school, where we all went to high school. And its, and its mission is to provide meaningful employment to adults with disabilities and it's a fabulous cafe it opened in in july the food is great the food is is. great we were just talking about this awesome concept of yeah you're working with adults with disabilities and that's great and everybody deserves a chance and we're starting to really uncover some real talent Mm -hmm. um like really skilled skilled workers you know joyful people and I, we're just very excited about the I think there's the 16 cafe. adults working there right. now. Right. I think that's currently uh, true. Because we talked to your mom last week because pies and are they, being sold for yeah, Thanksgiving. They did a great pie run, and that's just the, the beginning. It's their first holiday season yeah. ever. So if you have a chance and you're around Skokie, uh, Will's Place is open Tuesday through Saturday for breakfast and lunch. And then we are, uh, as in the Empty Pockets and myself, Josh, we are fundraising uh, for Will's Place to ha- help him have a good start next year. And it's it's everywhere we're talking about. Everything's on our website, theemptypockets.com. So people can donate through your website. Yeah. Uh, it'll link to go- the GoFundMe that yeah. we started. And yeah. that money all goes. It's a, it's a 501c3, so it's all tax-deductible mm-hmm. donations in an amazing cause. And as I said last week, I was honored to be invited as a guest barista mm-hmm. there back in August adorable place you got parking right on the street you can come in and get some super coffee and i could not believe the baked goods so big that they don't even fit in the packaging that they are meant for (laughs) they're like the 
the, the cinnamon rolls are oozing yeah, out of the top, really you know. Great. And the parking yeah. is good. It is There's really nice. You can parking. just zip up there and just jump out of your car and they, and and if you don't know, it's right across the street from the Skokie Theater. Yes, yeah. and right next to my favorite comic store. Ooh, oh yeah, comic store is sweet. Right. Yeah, and um, I believe it's the first place to serve dark matter coffee in the suburbs i think really yeah so it's good coffee we're really proud of it and i think it has a a lot of room to grow Mm -hmm. and to offer a lot of awesome opportunities for adults with disabilities into the future and and you mentioned that that um will is nonverbal, but that is one of the things that you will be blown away by is watching how they all do their job and in will's case he works the counter he takes your order and he has technology that allows him to communicate with you to ask you what you want and to thank you up and and to charge the credit i mean and everyone has different disabilities williams are different than Mm -hmm. we have and they have different needs some need to, to walk around a little bit and then come back to work and uh, some of them, uh, I had a fabulous uh, hour uh, off and on talking to a young man who could not understand why I was a Sox fan. <laughs> he was so troubled. I, I might know who you're talking he about. He was very Especially troubled. If he was by giving that. you the scores of yes. the Niles West football team. Yes. Then I know exactly who you're talking about. Very sweet. He was, he's incredibly sweet, yes. But then again, he wasn't doing his job because no, we were busy no. talking sports. But they do have a sign in the back of the kitchen that says, All good things take time. And and I think yes. that's an, a perfect motto for going to Will's place and enjoying the food and appreciating the environment and, and all the opportunities that it's giving to so many yes, people. Yes, absolutely. And the website is willsplacecokey.com. Mm-hmm. And the best hugs I've ever received in my life have been from Johnny, but right up there was the wonderful hug I got in this studio from Will. He may yes. be nonverbal, but oh boy, does he communicate. Not only is he a truly a gifted hugger, and he has always been, he really is a great uh, representative of Will's place. I mean, people come mm. in, and he's got the apron on, and he's he's shaking hands of politicians. Because he's yeah. not supposed and to hug. Because no, everybody wants to everybody hug Everybody wants him. a hug. And he's a good hugger, like you said. I mean, he's 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 really a, an ambassador. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, all sorts of people have been in. Uh, I know you did your barista, your, your barista day, but we've mm. had the, the chief of the Skokie Police and the, the fire mayor. department and the mayor and all sorts uh, Jan of people. Jan, Jan came by. I call her Bobby Jan, my, my favorite lady. <laughs> <laughs> it, so it's fabulous. Yeah. And uh, it, you, you got to check it out. Well, you should be very proud for getting the word out because you guys have worked tirelessly. You've done concerts, and and that's how we first learned about Will's Place. Was you were guest on our show? Yeah, yeah we're proud of it, and I I just am excited to you know keep that culture going yeah. and and really see what can happen because we we think you know an adult with disabilities can get a job at Will's Place and stay there forever, or can move on to something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be like Absolutely. a job training in action as well. So there's yeah. a lot of possibilities. Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio. We want to get a little more time with the empty pockets. And uh, what do you feel like doing? We're thinking we're, if we're going to play a song, we're going to do the title track from our, our newest album. It's called Gotta Find the Moon. I think it might be... A new moon coming up? A full moon? Full moon tonight. Yep. Full like, moon. The full time, cold moon. Time Ooh. to do it. This is uh, from our number one blues album of the same name. Stay back 
I'm out of control I'm like an animal It's late night I need to let go of it soon I've got to find the moon I gotta find the moon So chasing my mind You know where the other one is I'm left with the rind But who left the other one? Do I have to lose? We could take the other one back Too frozen to choose We'll have to wait another day Finding hidden trails And spreading wide the sails And I saw there at the end Beautiful And pretend you change your mind And sorry was easy then Sorry was easy then Again and again and again and again and again Yeah, sorry was easy then He told his thoughts to Helen She couldn't even get in a word his luck was out, he's selling As he left there, he flipped through the bird And his time ticks down daily She doesn't have a reason to care It's getting worse lately But he thinks he's going somewhere We're, We're finding, finding it trails And spreading wide the sails And she saw there at the end Beautiful And pretend she changed her mind Sorry was easy then Sorry was easy then Sorry was easy then Again and again and again and again Yeah, sorry was easy then Allow me to say you are in fine voice tonight. <laughs> this working from coast to coast has really done good things for your voices. I agree. I'm telling you, I'm I'm not kidding you. I, I've loved your voices from the very first moment I met you and you sang for us. You're better. Thanks. You are. You're really, and you just keep getting better. I don't think I've ever asked you, when, if you know, if you can remember, when did you go from, okay, we like working together, yeah, we can write songs together, yeah, we can share intimate moments through our songs, yeah, we can tell stories and create 
moods and people through our so i mean there has been such an evolution yeah the, how, how we push Explain each it other, to me. We push each other forward. Like to me, the one moment that comes to mind is super early to Eric and I meeting. We weren't even dating yet. We've been married for almost eleven years. I was playing Buddy Holly. She was in the show as well. We we're in the Buddy Holly story, and I sang this song. Just, uh, just you know why, why you and I. You remember that song? Sure do. Will by and by. Um, True Love Ways Ways. by Buddy Holly Mm -hmm. and I was going True Love Way and Erica came up to me and we didn't know each other very well and she was like you sounded really nice in that song you have a nice voice why are you doing that huge diphthong at the end of the song you're kind of (laughs) ruining it and I was like I'm passionate you guys I was annoyed but I was also like this girl gets it. This girl. <laughs> game <laughs> like, game respect totally game. It. And I didn't, in front of an audience, do this dumb thing. And, <laughs> and Ari, she called me on it. Ari just gets singing, like at a high, a level that I'll never get it at. And when I figured that out, because I understand music really well. A lot really of, A well. lot of aspects of music better than Erica does. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you made the same decision that I did to marry up. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. Yep. Fist bump, Johnny. Fist How about right. it? Yes. <laughs> it has been such a joy to have you in the studio with us. Yeah, we nice. love you we guys. Love you. We love you too. And Back I'm tickled you. because your show with the wineries on a Sunday. Yay! Yes. yes. Early show too. It's seven o'clock. There's no opener. I mean, we're everybody's out of there by nine. Latest. <laughs> don't even don't Come even hang pray. out. We just get started at nine, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Uh, it's a Sunday night, December 17th at Chicago's City Winery. Mm-hmm. Next week, for those of you who are big fans of the Ark, and if you haven't been there, it's a fabulous place. Sometimes I think they listen to the show and they go, we're going to book them. Yep. Yeah. I think that's great because I see all these people that we know popping that's up there great. at the Ann Arbor, Michigan Ark. And uh, then you're the- going to be at the Genesee Theater on the 8th. Yeah, with our friend George Lopez. Oh, fun. We're opening for George Lopez. Yeah. That's always a fun show. Yeah. Oh, you, again, people can follow you. You're so busy, and that's the way it should be. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks a million. If we don't see you on the 17th, Happy New Year. And we, yeah, happy holidays. We will holidays. see you in the new year for yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll hang yes. in the new year. That yes, sounds great. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. The Empty Pockets, Chicago's own Empty Pockets, uh-huh. they ain't going nowhere. Yeah, they're going to be touring, but they're coming back here. No, we're never <laughs> moving. We're stuck here Good. in Chicago. Thank you. <laughs> Big love, Chicago <laughs> friends. Big love. Uh, and you can follow them on their website, and you can get their music, and you can become a part of their special epic group. And, as you should. As you should, yeah. And uh, see them on the 17th of December at uh, Chicago City Winery. Tom Appel is coming up next. We're going to be talking cars with our buddy Tom, and he's going to share Tom's tunes. Yes. So the good music will continue here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio. <laughs> That's if a shift. If you're wondering what the heck that is, <laughs> that's Bo Diddley. That is a mighty Bo Diddley. Mm-hmm. Because that's uh, when I was backstage with Bo at the uh, mm-hmm. the Star Plaza Theater. I said, okay, how do you want to be introduced, Bo? And he said, just say, the mighty Bo Diddley. <laughs> so I did, and he was. <laughs> he certainly was. And that was one of... 
Tom's Tunes. It's time now for a segment that we do a couple times a month with Tom Appel. He is publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. That was a good choice. I mean, that gets your heart racing, Tom. It does. It does. I, I, I don't know. I love that cut. And the album cover, or at least the sleeve for that particular album, is awesome because it's Bo Diddley riding a Vespa with one yes. of his famous square guitars. Yes. <laughs> he was on a Vespa. You're and, right. And they, those guitars were uh, made by Gretsch. Just and, for him. And, and just, literally, he yeah. designed the guitars. Yeah. Yeah, that is a funny image. Sound. That is such a funny image, though, because he's not he was not a small man. No, and there's something about a big man on a Vespa that just makes me laugh. <laughs> you know? And if you're wondering why Tom's tunes, well, we talk with uh, Tom Appel about car stuff, and we kind of got into well, what kind of songs do you listen to while you're driving down the road? And so Tom is sharing some of the stuff. So you're. What car would you be blasting Bo Diddley in as you're driving, Tom? <laughs> wow, what, this would be a good... You know what? I'm driving the right vehicle for it right now. I have the, the Ford Bronco Raptor. Right oh, now, yeah, I can see that. extreme this. off-road version of the Raptor. And, and that's a pretty aggressive vehicle. I think this would be perfect for that. <laughs> well, we do have a lot to talk to you about. Uh, I, I want to start with some serious business. Uh, today, news came out about a Honda recall. Uh, this is a... Ma- major recall turn up your radio if you have a honda pay attention to this this is important what do you know about it tom yeah two vehicles are affected by this 2023 and 2024 uh honda accords and honda hrvs the hrv is their subcompact crossover you don't hear much about it anymore but the accord was just redesigned but what's missing is uh, an element in the seatbelt. Oh. Uh, that, that activates the pretensioner. So basically, if you've ever hit the brakes hard and you felt the belt grab you, that's pretensioning. Uh, if, if your car is, in fact, defective, and they think about 1% of the 300,000 vehicles uh, are, uh, that would not happen. And, of course, that's a problem because you want the seatbelt to grab you early as you go forward in the event of an impact. The, the thing that caught my ear about this is it's one thing to say, okay, there's a recall because this or that thing doesn't work the way it was supposed to. As I understand it, this is a case of a part wasn't put in to the belt mechanism. Am I correct on that? That's what I read, too, yeah, that there's a piece actually missing. It's actually a little ratcheting piece. And, uh, yeah, that should not be be missing. And according to... uh, the U.S. government, there's been seven uh, seven returns of the vehicle for a fix. There have been no injuries yet, so that's the good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent news. Uh, and would you, is this a case where you just wait until Honda contacts you uh, as a car owner or your dealership contacts you, or what should you do if you're listening and you go, wait, that's my uh, car? I've got the date here. It's the first week in January they're going to send out the letters. See, that always bothers me. Yeah, because what are the people who are going to be nervous driving on icy, snowy, wet roads? I feel like it takes... That that is a great question, and I don't know what the delay is with stuff like that. But usually we hear about these things, and then there isn't action for several weeks. I don't know why that is. Or months. Literally, I remember the last time we talked about a major recall, and it was months. And I would say, wait a minute, I don't want to drive that car for those months. Because it was like a scary thing. So all you've done is you've told X number of people, be scared, don't (laughs) drive it. 
Park it yes. outside. And don't try to take it to your dealer because they're not going to do anything until you yeah. get an official recall notice. So Merry Christmas. <laughs> Man, a ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Yeesh. Aren't you glad you're on the show tonight, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I am delighted. So what else have you been driving? So you're in the Raptor now. That seems like that would be... Um, uh, yeah, what's your, what's your impression yeah. so far? You know what? It is it, it, it is indeed an extreme vehicle. And if you're going to buy a Bronco and you're serious about getting a, a Ford Bronco, and it's, Broncos are very entertaining vehicles to drive and own, and they can be quite civilized. This one is not. This one is pretty convincingly off-road. Huge wheels and tires, significantly stiffened suspension, a lot of ground clearance, so it's difficult to get in and out of. Unless you indeed intend to go off-road, I seriously suggest considering a different Bronco. Hmm. This one is pretty committed to the off-road experience. And what's the ticket on that one? About ninety grand. Oh, hello. Whoa! Yeah, so and then I'm going to wait. Second dollar upgrade too. You're paying a lot more money for that capability. I'm going to ride it out on the rocks and the <laughs> off roading, and it's ninety grand. Wow! Yeah, you really don't want to scratch that bad. No. Yeah, yeah. What kind of rocks are we talking? Are we talking diamonds here? What are we? Uh... <laughs> really? Yikes! Uh, do you have a picture of it up on your site yet? You know what? I don't, but I can. Uh, I haven't taken a picture. I'm actually shoot, I'm shooting the pictures tomorrow, so I'll put okay. them up tomorrow. Well, you're doing a really good job. The the way you're you're staging your your uh, automobiles that you're road testing, uh, you, you're doing them justice because you get get a real good sense of everything from the um, the lines of the car to the wheels. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've been trying to make that sort of a hallmark of what we do at Consumer Guide, and I'm trying to step up the photography. So I make a point of actually having a session every Sunday and waiting for the light to be in the right place and then finding something good for the background that matches the color. So I'm glad you noticed. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And you can notice by going to the website. We're talking about ConsumerGuide.com. That's ConsumerGuide.com. And you can uh, see about best buys, reviews, shopping tips, Auto shows, uh, the daily drive blog, which is really cool, uh, car stuff podcast, and, and all kinds of mm-hmm. things. A listener says, "What does Tom think about the recall or possibly need of a recall of the make and model of the vehicle that was involved in the crash on the U.S. Canadian border on the Rainbow Bridge? The vehicle that blew up because now there's some that was, talk- a, that was uh, some Bentley. I don't know. Yeah, because yeah. I, Continental, I think yeah. And so there's some thought that it was either a driver um, having a medical." Uh, experience it caused him to go 100 miles because, an hour yeah because anytime you're driving over 100 miles an hour but then there was also some question of it was a, a malfunction of the vehicle have you heard anything along those lines tom i hadn't no but i'll look into it a bentley there's just every part of that story is so strange. You miss a Kiss concert because one of the performers is ill. You go to the casino. You're in a Bentley. I guess it's like a $300,000 car. Something like that, yeah. And yeah, Bentleys get pricey. And then the car blows up, and people actually video it because they are videoing the the Rainbow Bridge. And they catch well, it's right it on there the, at Niagara Falls, yeah. and, and they, the, a lot of people are taking pictures and videos, and they see this car yeah. coming down at this uh, high rate of incredible speed. speed. Yeah, just and then, and then social media decided that this was a terrorist attack, so that was that was all the buzz for twelve hours afterwards. Yeah, but now the reports we're hearing from both American and Canadian authorities 
they're saying they've investigated, and at this yeah. point, they don't think there was any terrorist act involved here. And you know, no, they I think they had to come out and make a statement. Oh, sure. You know, maybe uh, they, because it's 2023, and, and that's yeah. yeah sadly, uh, just to add, uh, sorry to interrupt, guys. Mm-hmm. Just sure. to add to that, uh, it was uh, late Wednesday night that the FBI's Buffalo office had actually sent out a statement saying that. Uh, there was no any type of explosive material found. Uh, mm-hmm. No reason to mm-hmm. believe there was anything more than an accident. And they handed the investigation to local authorities. So, uh, so that that's the good part. The bad part is, unfortunately, you know, whatever caused that car to go fast and lose control. Two people unfortunately lost their lives. But yeah. you know, and as but like, like like you just said, it could have been a lot worse. Mm. And what specifically caused the explosion? Was it merely the fact that it was going that fast and it crashed and that in and of itself caused Caused everything to catch on fire and explode last update that we had on that was that it was still under investigation that's still ongoing Mm -hmm. still don't know but they've uh essentially ruled out terrorism yeah yeah but again that doesn't stop social media you know that gabe unfortunately (laughs) right uh that's gabe and he's in the newsroom but now i want to take you to a, a different story one that uh raised a lot of eyebrows and i'm curious as heck to see how this is all going to play out Explain it to us, Hyundai and Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, this is a huge story, or it appears to be a huge story. I I think that managing expectations is important here. But at the L.A. Auto Show, uh, Hyundai revealed that they're going to begin, starting early next year, selling vehicles in conjunction with Amazon.com. And the net net of that is what you think it is. You can go on Amazon.com, search for your car, order your car, and basically get through most of the process of buying your car uh, right there on the website. Now, there are a bunch of limitations and asterisks attached to this, but it is an interesting thing, and the big brand names involved, I think, are very compelling. The, The thing that I'm curious about is what, at this point, what have you heard the reaction is from dealers? On one hand, the dealers may miss out on the sale or because you go to dealer X in your town, that dealer gets the commission for the sale and hopefully then gets the return uh, maintenance business. Well, that is a great question. And I don't know that all these, there's answers entirely to all of this, but this is what I know. I know there's already grumbling from Hyundai dealers about this because very few will be involved initially. And the dealers who are involved will voluntarily uh, commit to this, have to give a price that they're, they're going to promise to adhere to. Now, because of the franchise, uh, the franchise law system in the United States, there's nothing that actually compels the dealer to stick to that price. So right now, there's a lot of good faith here. And they're going to start this with just, they said, 18 dealers. Um, Mm -hmm. But Jose Munoz, the the CEO of of Hyundai in America, has already lowered that number to 15. So we'll see how many dealers there are initially. You're not going to be able to do this from every state in the United States. Um, But dealers will do this voluntarily. You can go on to Amazon. You can check their inventory. There will be prices there. That should be the price you pay. And then you would go to that dealer to pick up your car. Can you use your Amazon Prime credit card and uh, <laughs> and get points? <laughs> and well, do you I get? Know if you use Amazon Prime, if you get free delivery, you don't have to yeah. pay the delivery fee. That would Next be day, free delivery. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Now, is is this a pilot program in this country, or have they experimented with it uh, in Europe or any place else? 
Well, they can do this easily in Europe because they use something called the, uh, uh, they use a different system for delivering vehicles. They call it the, uh, or the name eludes me. Uh, but but it's, it's easier to do this in Europe because there isn't franchise law. So you can actually buy a car online basically there. This was experimented with in the United States, you know, a decade and a half ago with Scion. And that didn't go well because you had youngsters who wanted to buy Scions going online, buying a car, getting a price, getting to the dealer, and the dealer didn't honor that price. So it didn't, it didn't work that well. Oh. Uh, hopefully this goes better. Hmm. Hyundai's experimenting with a whole lot of things these days. Uh, they, they are. They are. They're, they're way into to electric vehicles now. They're way into exciting design. Uh, there's a lot going on there. Well, speaking of electric vehicles, uh, I want to segue for a second to something that your uh, your cohort, Jill Simonello, had posted about the electric vehicles she was driving. And she wasn't complaining about the vehicle, but trying to get from point A to point B and the number of miles left, and she was trying to charge it, and it was at a, what, a level two charging station and just a whole lot of inconvenience. Can, can you tell me a little more about that? Yeah, Jill Simonello, who's my podcast co-host and a fellow member of the Midwest Automotive Media Association, drives to Indianapolis relatively often, two, three times a month, because that's where her folks are. Uh, and, and she has made this trip bravely with electric vehicles a number of times. But this particular time, the station she usually stops at, that's a level three DC fast charger where you can get a reasonably good charge in half an hour, 45 minutes, was completely full up or the available chargers were not functioning. So that put her in a bad position. She ended up driving around looking for another charger, and that was a level two charger, which is pretty old school. That's what we have at home. Not really suitable for quick on-the-road charging. So she ended up sitting there for a very long time, charging at a very slow rate, uh, is what the story is. So Mm -hmm. that is right now why we need more charging infrastructure along the interstates. But I think that part of the problem here is that Indiana is not as well-serviced as some other states. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you've got the vehicle and you want to travel, then you have to do your homework to find out if the states you're going to be traveling through are ready for you to come through. Yeah, and if you're driving to Milwaukee, there's a couple of good, you know, from Chicago, there's stuff on the way. I know that because mm-hmm. I found it. And if you go west, there's pretty good stuff along I-80. Hmm. So, so if you're going to Iowa, you're covered. covered. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. there any movement to make some of the electric vehicle charging stations a little more secure or in a little uh, uh, better lighted places rather than being out in the back 40 of the truck stop or the the gas station not not so far and i think that this is going to be an issue until we see like big franchise charging stations kick in and we're Mm -hmm. starting to see that that oil retailers petroleum retailers Mm -hmm. are starting to get into this and you think they would have done this five years ago yeah but it's just starting right now now shell's got a big presence with charging stations in europe but 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 retailers in the U.S. do not. They're just starting to kick off right now. And I think that those are going to – the revenue seems there, right? Because if you have to sit there for half an hour, mm-hmm. you're going to go inside and get something to eat or right. something to drink. To me, that, that screams truck stop all over the place. It does. It does. It seems so so simple, but it's not happening yet. And again, uh, jargon alert, a level two would be what we would have if we were charging our car at home. 
Yep, yep, that level two charger. That's what you, if you buy an electric vehicle, you want to own a level two charger at home. And that's basically 220 volts to about 32 amps. And it charges your car overnight easily. So, so if you come home six, seven, eight o'clock at night, by the time you leave in the morning, you should have a fully charged vehicle. But the goal is when you're on the road, you want a level three so you can plug yeah, right. in, charge up, get back on the road again. Yeah, level three is at least 10 times faster than level wow, two. Wow, 10 times faster. Yeah. Okay. Could we uh, spend a moment and talk about uh, one of the topics on your podcast this week was the North American Car of the Year finalist. Yeah. And also, we haven't had you on since you did an Honest to God poll on Twitter. <laughs> yes. And I was frankly a little surprised by the results of your poll. The the, so te- the technology that people said they could not live with, that they couldn't live without. That's how it was phrased, right? You yeah. got to have it. Yeah. The stuff you got to have on your car. A couple questions coming in for you. And before we move on to uh, car of the year nominations and such and your your Twitter poll, uh, the listener says, please, uh, Tom, uh, could you enlighten me on what happens if the hybrid battery on a 2008 Ford Escape dies? Will the car still be operational in gas mode? And is there some sign of impending battery failure when you're driving? What, what we think happens with the batteries in hybrids is that they never really fail. They just become less and less effective. And you may not even notice that they're starting to fail unless you're watching your, your fuel economy. And the vehicle will run because there will always be power running through the battery, unless the battery completely fails, which is unlikely. Mm-hmm. You're just going to experience uh, less drive time on battery only and less less hybrid assist when you're taking off from a stop. Uh, but it, it, it's going to run fine. Actually, And then you have to make a decision about the value. If you notice it and you care, you have to make a decision about the value of your car versus the cost of a replacement battery. Hmm. Are we talking thousands for the replacement? Hybrid batteries, like uh, Prius batteries, typically run for about 1800 bucks right now. Oh, Hmm. that's all? I thought it was more than that. That's not bad. They were very expensive early on. But you can't run to Walmart and get one. From a junkyard or something. Really? Yeah, they're they're easy to find because there were so many Priuses out there. What? I, I, I'm sorry, but I, that kind of shocks me that you could just get, because I jokingly said, well, you can't run to Walmart and buy one like you can, you know, an EverReady battery or any other uh, combat, combust. Junkyards are your friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you were trying to replace a battery on a new, like a new Hyundai vehicle, a new Kia vehicle that, that's purely electric, might be difficult to battery, find mm-hmm. a battery, and it might be very expensive. But if it's for something that's been on the, on the market for five, ten years, you mm. can find replacement stuff pretty easily. Okay. Another uh, text, and you can text us at 312-981-7200, uh, says, Tom, any word if there will be more auto manufacturers at the 2024 Chicago Auto Show? Seems that many were absent at this year's show. Is this the beginning of the end of new car shows? Man, I hope not, and I want to be more optimistic than that. The bad news is that there were very few manufacturers that showed up in L.A. Um, last week or the week before, which is sad. The L.A. Auto Show used to be a pretty big one, especially for launches of new tech and for green vehicles, but there was a lot of manufacturers missing, and famously, as a result of costs incurred because of the strike, Stellantis backed out of the L.A. Auto Show, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You usually see the Detroit 3 at every auto show, mm-hmm. so hopefully they show up at Chicago, but Stellantis is also not going going to be at CES, which precedes Chicago. Um, But fingers crossed. Hmm. I mentioned that your uh, latest podcast 
Uh, one of the many topics that you covered include the North American Car of the Year finalist. What yeah. what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so there are three categories. For people who don't know, NACTOI, the North American Car of the Year, been around for a long time. They expanded a few years ago to include crossovers. So it's car, truck, and crossover, or utility as they call it. And they've announced at the LA Auto Show their finalists. There's three in each category. So for cars, there's the Accord, the Hyundai Ioniq 6, which is a midsize electric sedan, and the new Toyota Prius and Prius Prime. So those are the three vehicles there. Those have all been updated. The Prius, if people haven't seen it, you want to see a picture. It's a beautiful car. Hmm. It's weird to say that about a Prius, but the new Prius is gorgeous. Uh, but those are the three cars for car. And in trucks, we have the Chevrolet Colorado, the Silverado EV, and the Ford Super Duty, which is the heavy-duty version of the Ford F-Series. Uh, the Silverado EV, as we know now, may be delayed, so we may not see mass delivery of those, but it did get out in time for consideration for the NACTOY Award. Hmm. And then we have the Utility, which is the Genesis Electrified GV70, the Kia EV9, which is a large three-row crossover, and then the super strangely affordable Volvo EX330 uh, subcompact electric crossover. By affordable, you're talking forty, fifty, under thirty-five to start. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. Now you, people aren't probably going to want that particular one, but it, you can do one under forty. It's pretty incredible that Volvo's hitting this market. That is incredible. in this day and age. That's yeah. truly rare. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, let's spend some time and talk about this serious survey that you took. <laughs> And you blame me. He actually he says in the introduction that I told him he should do something worthwhile with his time on Twitter. Well, we've been saying that for years. But. <laughs> so you decided to uh, ask what people felt was the technology, the tech feature in their car that they simply cannot live without. Were you surprised by the results? I was a little bit. I actually thought people would have gone higher tech, and they went with some simple stuff. So I started this with one grid, and I added another one. So you can only ask four questions in each post. But I asked about uh, heated steering wheels, keyless entry, head-up display, satellite radio, Bluetooth connectivity, CarPlay and Android Auto, navigation systems, and adaptive cruise control. And I kind of thought people would love adaptive cruise control, but it's possible not that many people have been exposed to it yet. And for people who don't know, that's cruise control that actually keeps your distance with the car in front of you. It's Mm -hmm. super wonderful on the highway, but it's it's possible a lot of people don't know about it yet. Or they hate it. They've got it, and they don't understand it. And they're like, what's happening with my car? That, that's actually possible, too. It's, it's a little bit uncomfortable to trust the system. So you, I, I, I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. I could live without all of that technology. I really could. Uh, I want a good radio. I want a good sounding yeah. radio. I don't have to have uh, satellite radio. I don't have to have a navigation system because I got a phone that has a, a darn good GPS system. I don't want to do right. without ABS. Okay, well, do you consider that technology or just a necessity? That's just a given. I kind of, well, it is the law now. Yeah. So if you're a relatively new driver, you've always known ABS. I will tell you two pieces of new technology that now that I have gotten used to them on the, on the most recent car we purchased, I really, really like and don't want to do without lane-keeping assist and the, uh, I forget what they call it, where... Uh, 
Uh, it's like blind, uh, blind spot uh, alert. Blind spot yeah. alert. It, it yeah. has a lot of different names. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like both of those. See, I'm so basic, I have to have a keyless entry. That's all I want. Then I'm a happy girl. You know, so I can walk up on the car and I, oh, I would love if I had the choice of having any technology where you wave your foot under the lift gate and the lift gate opens because my hands are always full. That would be awesome. Well, that was a that was an option on a bunch of vehicles, and we stopped hearing about it. I yeah. don't know why. If, if it if it just didn't excite customers enough, because I don't hear it being pitched anymore. Well, I will tell you what happened when we were shopping for a car. That was one of the added features on four or five vehicles yeah. last year. We were told we don't have the part for it. They did, so that was during the chip shortage. We'll give you fifty dollars in exchange for not getting that feature on the car. I don't know. I don't want that. And by the way, I don't need a $500 tow hook on the car, but they automatically would put it on there in charge. Oh, well, well, everybody's getting the tow hooks on the car. When you sell the car, you're going to want that. No, I don't want a tow hook for $500. That's me. Yeah, I still need to check if um, um, General Motors on its pickup trucks with the 5.3 liter V8 used to equip them with cylinder deactivation, which was a wonderful Wonderful technology that mm-hmm. highway fuel economy by up to a mile per gallon, wow. and that disappeared during the chip shortage, and that was showing up as a fifty dollar credit. It's like one mile per gallon versus fifty bucks. That's not <laughs> nearly enough money. That's not fair. Did, You're not, right. Did, didn't cylinder deactivation start what back in the was it the sixties or seventies when they did? Was it the uh, the eight six four engine or what am I thinking of with General Motors? Yeah, the Cadillac V864, which was a brilliant idea. That the, the technology did not exist to support it. <laughs> I have a story about this, actually. But it ended up working terribly. It, it, the car would shudder. It would, it would, it would change mm-hmm. between gears while you were trying to accelerate. It was all brutal. But I ended up riding in a limousine once, a very old limousine. <laughs> and I was coming from O'Hare to home. And on the dashboard was a... a, a basically an index card with three speeds written on it. And I asked the driver about it, and those were speeds he should not drive because the cylinder deactivation would kick in. (laughs) In a limo! (laughs) In a limo. Wow! Okay. Uh, Tom Appel, Talking Cars, he does that with us a couple times a month, and we will be right back. Just a feeling deep inside of me This is the Midnight Blues. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Mm. Mm. <sighs> that is so good. And I, and I apologize to Tom Appel uh, for usurping his Tom's tunes, but he kind of sent us off into a blues thing, and that is Snowy White. Mm. And it's called Midnight oh. Blues, and it is so good. It, it's about an eight-minute-long cut. It's wonderful. And he jams on the guitar. Oh, yeah. But let me say that the way it's recorded, you can hear 
every word he says and, and the tone of his guitar for guitar players will love this the the album originally came out about six years ago it has just been released on vinyl. vinyl just recently released on vinyl based on popular demand because it got the cd got worldwide attention to which i once again i said how did we miss this guy snowy yeah. white <laughs> so we uh, wanted to share him with you tom a text Thank from doing that. a text from Mark in Wheaton, and you can text us at nine eight one three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. He said, "Just listen to Midnight Blues. Wow, love it. Yeah, yeah. but be frustrated because you can't buy the CD. Because I went down that road because I thought, oh, this will be a great Christmas present. I said, what? I can't find it. Are you kidding me? Okay, Tom, we are keeping you up much too late, but we wanted we wanted to ask about any of the other vehicles that you've road tested since we last talked with you. Wow. You know what I drove, um, and I may have mentioned this car before, but I had a second spin in it, and that is the Genesis G70. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, um, G80 Electrified. Oh. The, G, the G80 is the midsize uh, Genesis sedan, right. and Electrified means it's electric. It's the electric version of that car, and it is a nearly perfect electric vehicle experience. It's got mm-hmm. good range, wonderful power, and it's based on it's based on the gasoline-powered vehicle, and, and that would seem like a detriment, but actually there isn't a lot about this vehicle that screams electric if you look at it or drive it or look at the dash or instrumentation, mm-hmm. and that's really the way I think most people are going to like it. It's very much an electric vehicle that happens to be, or, yeah, an electric vehicle, a gasoline, I'm sorry, a luxury vehicle that happens to be electric, and I, I think the, execution, the execution is absolutely perfect. Mm. So it, it's, in a nutshell, it's very user-friendly. It, it is, yeah, and, and and you know, in the early days of hybrids and stuff, there was all these graphics we had to look at and strange things that showed you the battery. And there's there's none of that here. It, it's all very straightforward. The interfaces are as you would expect them to be. It just happens to be electric, and that's a good thing because it's much quicker and much quieter than a gasoline vehicle. It's also a good thing because people do not read their manuals, oh, so we need to dumb everything down. We are. We follow a couple of automobile <laughs> groups on Facebook, and it's for people who have the same vehicle. They bond yeah. and they share their experiences. Tom, you would not believe the things that people put. Uh, for example, somebody posted the other day, I am today years old when I learned that there's a little notch that I can take my gas cap and sit it in when I am gassing up the vehicle. And I thought, and you're admitting that? Really? And and then with the time change. Oh, yes. And and this was in multiple uh, car groups. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I have to, either I can't figure out how to do it, or I can't believe it doesn't do it automatically. And there was one group uh, for a luxury car manufacturer, and they were complaining about the fact that it, it doesn't do it by itself. And we checked, and what they have to do is hit the screen that has the time on it, on the time it says, basically, do you want me to change? You say, yeah, yeah. And, and it's done. Oh, but, but, but no. that's too much. Oh, I can't believe I have to do this. <laughs> Give me my money back. What? <laughs> Just sit down, shut up. There is, there is actually in most vehicles a daylight savings time on or off. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that's straightforward. And if you have advanced navigation, it'll do it for you. Yes. Right. Yeah. But don't take the time to go to the Internet and post something and flaunt your ignorance. And start 
start dissing the manufacturer. Yes. If that's the yes. biggest complaint you have with the vehicle, you got a wonderful vehicle. Also, if you're as far as the internet, go to YouTube and just watch a quick video oh, on how to fix it. So yeah. right, it. yes. Yeah. How many times? It seemed like when we were in Florida, there were like four or five times. You said, "I wonder." I said, "Don't worry, I'll get you a video." Stick. Oh, and, we and had a Johnny printer. Johnny is the Google goddess. We had a printer. How do we uh, clean the the uh, uh, something on the printer. So I looked it up and we decided it was way too complicated after watching the video. We donated it and got another printer. <laughs> yeah, and we weren't sure that that was going to fix the problem anyway. Right, so right. It was time consuming. And yeah. for 99 bucks, we could get a printer. So we said, yeah, we'll go that route. So the blatant plug light is flashing. What haven't we blatantly plugged? Go to consumerguide.com. And uh, what else? Well, I've got a review going up tomorrow late, and that'll be of the redesigned Volkswagen Atlas Cross Sport, uh, which is the two-row version of Volkswagen's relatively popular midsize crossover. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going up. And then this Amazon conversation. We're going to have Ed Kim from Auto Pacific, which is uh, an industry consulting group, on the podcast this week. So that'll go live on Tuesday. We're going to be talking about the Amazon and Hyundai deal. Oh, good. Excellent. Okay. Well, you have a good uh, Thanksgiving? We had a great Thanksgiving. My daughter made the drive home. She's out in Colorado, all the way out in Colorado, but she drove home for the week, and that was great. So everything was good. Tom posts pictures of of his daughter, and I love the... His daughter is is one of these people that never likes to smile, but (laughs) I love the picture that Tom put up because... She was being so serious, but you could tell it just looked like she was about to burst out laughing. Like, okay, take a picture before the laugh comes out. Take a picture. Yeah, this is officially a thing now because my mother always wants her to smile in pictures. Yes. But my daughter absolutely refuses yes. to smile in pictures. So how long is the trip back to Colorado, her drive back? 15 hours. Ew. Long drive. Wow. Yeah. So that's uh, comparable to if we got in the car now and drove to our house in Florida. That would be 15 hours. About 1,000 miles for her? About 1,000 miles even, yeah. 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 She left at about 7 this morning, uh, and she's there now. Well, let's look at it this way. She got out of here before the snow rolled through, because apparently it's snowing out in the, the northwest area, and it's coming this way. She hit some snow out uh, out towards the other side of... Uh, uh, Iowa and into Nebraska. Mm. Which reminds me, uh, we will probably be talking with you in roughly two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Can we think about, since the weather will be edging toward a little worse than it is now, winter driving? And that would th- be great. Th- things like tires. Tire and the difference between front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, emergency handling in snow. Mm hmm. Stuff like that. That's your assignment if you choose to accept it. <laughs> I accept. That's a great topic. All right. Thank you, Tom. Have a wonderful week. And people can, uh, you do a, a new podcast every week, and they're posted at your site so folks can follow you there. Do you want them to go over to X and follow you as well? you got to get off X and get on something else. <laughs> Will you do. please get... I do. Uh, I just have a head time. I know I need to get on the threads. That's what you guys want me yes. to Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. It's- in, in fact, there was a big deal uh, last week. Uh, I think it was the middle of last week. In one day, the White House, 
the president, the first lady, mm-hmm. the vice president, the first gentleman, they all got, went to threads in mass, and it was like a major White House thing. Okay, we're over here on threads because Musk and, is nuts. And, and we hope that that doesn't hurt threads. You know, people going, well, then I'm not going there. It's not for political reasons. They're just no. It's saying. just threads is threads is like Twitter, only good, kinder and gentler. Yes. Right? My, my problem is that I, there's a huge community of car guys on Twitter. Yeah, and, you know what? They're really fun. I agree with you, Tom. And I said that about journalists because there, there were so many that I followed on Twitter. And I mean, when a story broke, I was right there following them. And I, I feel at a loss because they haven't all moved over to threads. But but more and more of them they are. They are doing it, yes. They, I mean, it's I forget what the, the thing was last week. There was some major breaking story, and I went right to threads, and there was yeah. uh, well, major news people. The war in Israel-Gaza, yeah. that, that's one thing that has given threads some um, credibility, you know, yeah. with the people that have come, come over there to report. Okay, Tom, thanks a million. As always, have a terrific week, and we shall catch up with you in a couple weeks. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye now. And again, check out ConsumerGuide.com. That's ConsumerGuide.com. We'll take a break. More coming up at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. That was always one of my favorite Beatles recordings. Yeah, they didn't write it, but one of the things I loved about that, that was from their uh, their first U.S. release. Mm-hmm. And that was done at the, that was the last song at the session. One take, John Lennon's voice was pretty much gone. Yeah. So what you hear there, that is how the group sounded. No overdubbing, no nothing. Mm-hmm. That's the Beatles singing, playing rock and roll, and I love that. And I'm too tired to twist, so I'm just going to shout. I'm going to shout out the names of the folks who are listening tonight, and we do appreciate that, and we ask you to let us know where you're listening in and how you're listening in. You can follow us on our Facebook page, The Steve and Johnny Show. Each week, uh, throughout the week, we post various things. We're also very active on our blog, which is linked back to our Facebook page. But tonight, early on, we heard from a 605 area code listing in South Dakota. Gina's listening to us in Colorado. Suzanne T. is listening to us in Downers Grove. And Gordon is in Lake Geneva. They were the some of the first people to, to sign in this evening. Uh, also tonight, uh, Brian Haig is listening, and he's up in Wisconsin. He's got a 10-hour drive to Wisconsin, so hopefully we're keeping him company. Ella Maria is in rural McHenry County tuned in. Peter Jacobowitz, he listens every week. Thank you, Peter. He's in Citrus County, Florida, listening on his Sea Crane Wi-Fi 3 radio. Ann Hill is in Peoria. Donna Youngheim is tuned in. She's She just... She was tuned in for intelligent banter, and I thought, mm, I don't know. You're listening to did us. It, did Donna. any of that show up tonight? <laughs> Robin Aiken is in Port Charlotte, Florida. Nancy Taffy and West Alice tuned in online. Helen Thomas is in Kenosha. Lloyd Moncrief in Ottawa, Illinois. Sharon Malone is in K Town, also known as Kenosha. Jeffrey Welshance is in Elkins, West Virginia. Uh, once again, Wisconsin signing up. Showing up, Barb Larkin is in Milwaukee. 
Bonnie Pearson, Gray's Lake. Our buddy Bobby Danos is listening on his AM FM stereo radio in Sandwich. Chuck Snitchler, the best friend of this mm-hmm. radio station. He's showing off more of his Christmas decor. By the way, Chuck posted an interesting post earlier this week on Facebook. It was about a new restaurant that apparently has opened up in Valparaiso. Mm-hmm. And I forget the name of it, but apparently it has like, uh, what, tape, tape recorders? Decks. Uh, tape decks on, on the, the walls. walls or something like that? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I thought it looked interesting. Yeah. And uh, he said it's a little pricey based on what he saw on the menu. Cindy Gia is in Arlington Heights. Uh, Brian Lefevre, thank you, Brian, for listening, because he says I'm in the beautiful city of Chicago. So someone in Chicago yeah. is listening. Uh, Joan Bloom is in Greenville, South Carolina. J.P. John Paul, big fan of Tom Appel. He's tuned in from Peoria. Linda Moeller is in Oklahoma. Eric Baum is in West Beach, or excuse me, Wells Beach, Maine. Uh, founded in 1643, Wells Beach, Maine. Diane Vasquez is tuned in. She's in the south suburbs. Richard Wade, one of the Wade twins, mm-hmm. after the um, Ides mm-hmm. uh, concert tonight. Tracy Douglas is tuned in from Savannah, Georgia. Kathy Lennon in Chicago. Ron Oltman in Sycamore. Judy B. is in Oaklawn. Bill Hill tuned in. Delphine Behrman is on listening on her transistor radio. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. Norb Rosansky. North Aurora, or is it Aurora? He's Norb, he's in Aurora. Gene Deem is Bradenton, Florida. Nancy Holland is tuned in. Dennis Jones, Rita Reggie in Fort Worth, Texas. Beverly Goodall tuned in. Highwood, Illinois. Janet Gellert in Gainesville, Florida. Mary Gold, Tinley Park. Michael Besky in Muskego. Muskego? I want to say Michigan, but that's Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrice Tintara is a good friend of this station. Highland, Indiana. Richard Vanna Lansing. Uh, Penny Schick. Uh, Tavares, Florida. Uh, Lynn Kinzer, Beloit, Wisconsin. Nancy Witt in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Les Nelson in Oswego. Gary Gary in Dalton, Illinois. And if I missed you, I'll get you next week when we do our shout out, our round robin. But a lot of people, a lot of states, I think I counted 11 states were represented yeah. tonight. Yeah. Very and, cool. And a ton of people from those 11 states listening uh, via the old fashioned uh, yes. AM radio, which is kind of cool. Yeah. You can check out, and we hope you will check out our blog. That's steveandjohnny.wordpress.com, S-T-E-V-E-A-N-D-J-O-H-N-N-I-E.wordpress.com. That's where, um, in about a day or so, you will be able to find links to the bumps that we used on the show, links to the podcast, and uh, some pictures and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we would love it if you would subscribe to our blog. It doesn't cost anything, and you're not spammed. You will get a uh, an email whenever we do a new post. And as we're getting into the holidays, we're posting a little more often about some holiday things, recipes, and some other stuff. And we're active over there, just in case you all ever get tired of Facebook, you'll know where to find us. And if... That could happen. And if uh, if Meta or Zuckerberg decide to do something strange... yeah. In fact, uh, yeah, we should mention yes. very quickly. Uh, There's a new thing that's coming up, and don't be frightened if you get a message that pops up uh, when you're on Facebook that tells you you need to protect 
your Facebook page. You, you need to uh, enable Facebook, Facebook Protect. protect. It, it's, it's legitimate. It's very do pushy it. because it says, we're going to lock you out if you don't do this. And your first inclination is exactly what ours was, and that is, oh, this is not real. We'll be back on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. That's Joel Patterson. He will be in studio with us next week. Mm-hmm. He's got a brand new Christmas CD coming out. Uh, actually, it has just been released, and yep. he's going to be playing a few songs from that next week. He's a busy, busy guy, too. Yeah. Like our Empty Pockets. Um, they uh, they have been very, very busy all year and got a great December coming up. And Joel has literally traveled around the world performing. Yeah. And we're lucky to have him back here in Chicago. So I mentioned before the Facebook. news. Yes. We both, at various times in the past week, got a bold notice that popped up that said, you must activate Facebook Protect or you're going to be locked out of your account for good on December 3rd. Or at least locked out of your account. No, it sounded like they meant forever. They were just really, really being pushy. And the first thing I thought was, oh, no, I'm not falling for this nonsense. So I Googled it and come to find out that it's legit. And then I got the message again, and you got it again. Mm -hmm. And I said, it looks like we have to follow through on this. And uh, some... Research uh, I did tells me that Facebook Protect has been around for a while, but it was originally launched for government officials, politicians, to give them a level of protection so that their accounts wouldn't be stolen. And I didn't know that. And I thought, well, Mm -hmm. good for you, Facebook. That's pretty smart. And then as time went on, because as you all know, when we talk about computers with Patrick Crispin, one of the frustrations people have is their Facebook account has been, as they say, hacked or cloned or stolen or a dead relative's account Mm -hmm. has been taken away from them. And so we spent quite a bit of time in the past month talking about two-factor authentication and having a strong password and how you need to do your part to protect your Facebook page. So now Facebook has said, Basically, we're tired of this nonsense of people reporting that their accounts have been stolen and cloned, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to require more people to sign on for Facebook Protect. So when we followed through on the message that pops up, the bold message, it was very simple. Oh, it, it is incredibly simple. And it also appears that initially they're going after people who have a significant following. Right. Uh, for example, uh, on the Stephen Johnny Show page on Facebook, we're closing in on uh, 10,000 people following us. There. Right. So that's that's a few people. Right. And uh, Facebook wants to make sure that the administrators have successfully enabled two-factor authentication and uh, a couple other things. To a make strong, sure password. strong password. Strong right. password. They, they request that you have a strong password. And then they say that you are now, you have, an extra, you have an extra layer of protection through Facebook Protect. Right. So you are a little less vulnerable. Now, the important thing for people to know is you might get the message and it might disappear and it might not ever come back again. Right. So what I understand from what I read, Facebook it sends it out, but then they may determine that, oh, no, 
not that you're insignificant, but that you just don't have the vulnerabilities that somebody else might have. And, and I think they're eventually i think they're they're going to roll it out and make sure everybody does it but right now they're right. just trying to get the the accounts that as we talked with patrick if someone can get a hold of an account that has tons of followers that is worth money, money. to those real people. money so real if money. you have an account that has a fair amount of people following you you are much more likely to be targeted. Right. So it is much more important to Facebook that you protect yourself. So you don't have to be a famous person. You right. just have a lot of people that follow you that might make you more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So once Facebook deems that you are a person who qualifies for this extra layer of protection, you are alerted by an in-app notification or an email. And that seems to be freaking people out, too, because they're like, ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are they sending me an email? I didn't think that they would ever send me an email. How do they know, you know, who I am, et cetera, et cetera? Well, they do know who you are. They do have your latest yeah, email you signed address. Yeah, you Facebook exactly. so they know who you are. And it is um, a legitimate email. But just to be careful, you need to follow through and see that it came from the security department of Facebook. Because now we know that bad people are going to be cloning these emails. Right. The bottom line is, A, two-factor authentication is not a big deal, and you really should do that with everything you have on the Internet. And if you got the notice to follow through on Facebook Protect, it's as simple as Facebook checks to see, do you have two-factor authentication, and is your your, uh, password um, good, satisfactory? And once... That, That means basically combination of numbers and letters uh, upper and lower case and a few things like exclamation points question marks stuff like that and in seconds once it's checked and it sees that that's in place it says okay you're done go you know we're gonna go away now you're you're you have uh, facebook protect so the good news is if you haven't received the notification no action is required on your part you don't need to go looking for facebook protect however if you have been picked like we were and your brother got a notification, right. too, but come to find out that they didn't follow through on it. So they de- they deemed at this point in time that uh, it wasn't necessary for him. But to- we did help him enable two-factor authentication. Exactly. So the purpose of mandating the switch is to protect the accounts of people that might be vulnerable in the Facebook community. And it's just an extra precaution, nothing to be scared of. Mm-hmm. But if you are listening to me and you say, well, I haven't received it, don't worry about don't it. Don't worry. I mentioned it only because it is. it startled me. And my first reaction was, oh, I'm not falling for this. Are you kidding me? You had the same reaction in another mm-hmm. part of the house when it happened to you. We met in the kitchen. We exchanged notes and said, let's research but, this. But I think, what, yeah, I think one of the keys here, not saying, oh, boy, are we uh, wonderful for doing this, but we take our time. One of the worst things you can do when you receive any message on Facebook or, or any of a number of uh, Internet sites one of the worst things you can do is panic and and get stressed and try mm-hmm. to react quickly. No, take your time, take a breath, pause, yeah. think about it, and then take whatever action seems 
appropriate. And we will talk about this again next week when Patrick Crispin joins us in our tech segment. I will just tell you quite simply, if you don't have two-factor authentication set up, it's so simple. All you have to do on your Facebook account is go to your security and login settings, and right there it tells you how to Mm-hmm. how to start or activate two-factor authentication and then you click on that and it's done and yeah. it's just you don't have to have a code every time you sign into facebook no because you probably don't have to sign in every time it probably stays on open on your phone or in a nutshell and i'm oversimplifying it's going to say okay if joe blow is trying to get into your account we're going to send your email or your, your text phone. number, we're going to send a message and say, is this you? Do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. And if so, okay, here's a code. If not, nope. Yep. Simple as that. Uh-oh. Oh, my gosh. Oh. The, Where's the lights are flickering. This is crazy. What's that? Is he shaking the can with the... Uh, the it's a little wheat? chilly in here. <laughs> I thought it was somebody shaking an aerosol can. That's your teeth chattering. I'm sorry, Julian. <laughs> oh goodness, poor man. That that zambooning and the uh, the lights flickering means it is time for our last call. Yes, already. And if you would like to be our last caller, you can. Dial up 312-981-7200. That number again is 312-981-7200. And you cannot have been a winner for the past 60 days on any show on WGN because we want to give you some cool prizes if, in fact, you're our last caller. You don't have to do anything but be charming and delightful and awake during our conversation. That's all we ask of you. <laughs> More than we are. Uh, we'll just simply get caught up with you. You kind of put the, uh, the, the capper on the five hours that we've spent here. It's really zipped by tonight. It really has. That reminds me, uh, we don't have a full show next week. What time do we start next week? Julian is Julian? Like, I think it's like ten forty five. Something like that. Ten thirty, yeah. ten forty five. Okay. Yeah. Well, whenever we show up. We'll, yeah, we'll, I think it's football, so we'll be here. Yeah. Whenever. Okay. All right. So you'll be here too next week. And yeah, we got some fun things scheduled for next week's program. But uh, tonight, if you are our last caller. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Feel no no pressure. Just be charming and delightful. Just be willing to carry on a conversation. Be more awake than we are. Be coherent. That's right. Be more coherent than we are. Talk about anything but food, because we've already had that conversation. We're having turkey rice soup when we get home. Yeah. That turkey from Thanksgiving. It's delicious. It made some mean turkey rice soup. So that's waiting for us. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back with our last call here on WGN. Yep, yep, losing time. We're ready to head on out. Head on so out. Let's go. You don't have to go home. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. You really kind of do. But you can't stay here. No, 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 no. wish I could leave. <laughs> <laughs> How long has your day been, Julian? You, you, you got here yesterday morning, what, 6 o'clock? Six? I, I, I woke up at 6 a.m. Yeah. Got here about 7.30 Oh my God! Took a nap around seven thirty. Woke up when you guys walked in. 
Julian, that's that's oh. cruel. That's going to age you, young man. You won't be young for I, long. I'm already there. I've got the knees of a 40-year-old man thanks to wrestling. <laughs> wrestling? That's the last thing in the world I would imagine you'd do. I was 14. It was a different time in my life. <laughs> and then you, you picked up the guitar. And then, are you still playing guitar? I'm trying. I'm Good. really trying. Good. Do it that. Hurts. Well, you can age with a guitar. You can age well, gently. That's the way the, to do it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just thinking, though, you are, you know, if this was union, you'd be paid very well yeah. for that day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like triple time. Yep. Yeah, move on out. Okay, so Julian can move on out of here real soon. I'm going to be the one to choose our last caller, and I'm going to say number three. Number three. Number three. Number three would be uh, Gail. Hi, Gail. Well, hello there. Hi, Gail. How are you tonight? Well, I'm doing better. I'm on COVID because I got COVID. Oh, Oh, dear. Did you have it over the past? Is this your first time, or did you have it before? This is my third. Oh, dear. (laughs) Wow. Did you take Paxlovid the other times? Yes. You did? it's wonderful. Really? Oh, good to hear. Very helpful. Very, very helpful to me. Because literally, in our case, we have, at this point, 11 friends since Labor Day yeah. with COVID, and none of them had COVID for the three years prior. So again, for anybody who said, oh, uh, back oh, during COVID, no, now is during COVID. Yeah. It's yeah. still out there, kids. Wow. I hope you don't feel lousy. Actually, um, sitting up is wonderful, which is I listen to you every Saturday night anyways. Thank and I you. love when the car shows on. Oh, thank, thank you. I learned so much. It's amazing. And I'm 72. So. Uh-huh. You're a kid. <laughs> you yeah. always learn new You're, things. That's right. You've got time to learn. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. But it's easier to sit up when you have this. And oh. so, um, for me, anyways. Uh-huh. Because, and I've had all my shots, and, oh. you know, it just happened that last Monday I was at a women's luncheon in a brook for 400 women. That'll do and it. And <laughs> had no clue yeah. that I would come down with this. And unfortunately, Thanksgiving Day, I had to be up in Glenview with a 96-year-old aunt who oh. I had to call the next morning and say, "Oh, please. Tell me you've had your COVID shot. Yeah. And she had, and she feels fine. She calls me every six hours. Oh, bless her (laughs) heart. Yeah, she's worried about you, too. But uh, She's up in Glenview. Uh, Where do you call home? Uh, Downers Grove. Okay. Okay. Wow. But I didn't want her to be alone. She's in a uh, senior's uh, retirement home. Right. And I didn't want her to be alone on Thanksgiving, so... My family was being going elsewhere this year for the first time, so you know, mm-hmm. I thought it'd be great to be with her, and we had a lovely dinner. What? So, so what? What was your favorite Thanksgiving thing? What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? 
Oh, my cranberry rush. I thought we were supposed to talk about food. I know. I looked at him like, what? What are you doing? I couldn't resist. <laughs> what? what you, cran- cranberry what? Cranberry rush? What is a cranberry rush? Cranberry relish. I'm relish. Oh, relish. Okay. <laughs> the normal. Okay. That's okay. I thought, oh, this sounds really wild. Go ahead and talk yeah. about that. No, that sounds but, good. Um, it's very refreshing because it's... Um, fresh cranberries that you make according to however you make cranberries on a package. Okay. And then you grate two um, apples that have been peeled Uh, and a can of crushed dull pineapple with juice. Okay. You mix it all together the day before and it is so refreshing and light. You know what? That that sounds like... You don't have to use a lot of sugar. Yeah. I mean, if you want to watch your sugar... And yeah. it's just, everybody raves about it when they've had it, but it's good to meld it the day before. Sure, sure. I think that would be really tasty. If you put that, like, in a glass, a, you know, a nice drinking glass, about an inch of it, and then I'm not going to go alcohol. I'm going to say a sparkling water. Oh, sure. Oh, that would be very tasty and would be well, really my pretty. Aunt and I happen to toast each other for Thanksgiving with 100% cherry juice. Somebody had given her a bottle of it, so oh. it was delicious. Oh, I bet it was. <laughs> wow. Well, I hope you feel better. And I, 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 I have to ask you, since you were at the the, uh, the group with the 400 women, was was there any contact from anybody there saying that other women had contracted COVID? Or I have no idea. Ah. That's too bad because we just a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday night I had my high school reunion and we went mm-hmm. through something like that afterward. That yeah, by Monday the email went out. Oh, by the way, you all need to know yeah. that there uh-huh. were a few people amongst us that in fact have been tested positive. Yeah. So that was kind of scary because, you know, you're going to hug at a reunion and you start thinking about who did I hug? Did I hug one of the people that's sick? And well, feel better. You are going to get your very own desktop weather station from American Weather Makers, and it's become kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of collectible these days. And you're going to wow. get your very own retro WGN radio T-shirt. I love these T-shirts. Yes, oh, that's yes, I yes, yes. T-shirts. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for being the the icing on our night. Oh, and you know where I was supposed to be going tonight? Where? In Downers Grove, Muriel Douglas. <gasps> oh, Muriel Anderson's show. Muriel Anderson, yes. Oh, my gosh. Muriel, uh, yeah, Muriel Anderson was playing tonight. Of yeah. course, her homecoming show. Yes. Oh, she was so wonderful on the radio last and week. And her new album is just really r- yeah. incredible. It's beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, well, you know what? I think I'm going to give her a text and say I hope everything went well tonight. Thank you very much, Gail, for calling. And you have feel better. Hold on for a second, and uh, we'll get some information from you off the air. Yeah, I, for, I forgot about uh, Muriel's show tonight. I hope she had a good yeah, time. Yeah, I do too. And again, you know, she's a traveling, working musician, mm-hmm. and she worries about these things too. When you sure. get among people, and you hope that if they are feeling poorly, that they'll stay home, as Gail did, and uh, not share share with everybody else. If you're uh, going to be staying home. Uh, a little TV heads up for something mm-hmm. that I have mixed feelings about. 
It's going to be Wednesday night on NBC, right after NBC airs the uh, tree lighting from New York. They're going to have the first ever live from Graceland uh, Christmas special. Which and, on paper sounds really yeah. cool. And they've got a lot of very cool people that are going to yeah. be involved with it. Um, one of the people, um, oh, Kane, um, Kane Brown, Brown, country singer. He's redone uh, a duet with Elvis, uh, "Blue Christmas," and frankly, I'm, eh, it's okay. It didn't need to be redone. Yeah. But uh, Presley's granddaughter uh, is behind mm-hmm. all of this that's happening, and including, and there's, and there's some good people that are going to be on the show. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess we're going to get to tour Graceland. Yeah, and, and apparently they're going to have some footage that we haven't seen from the Graceland archives, which is huh. kind of cool. So. Okay, yeah. so it'll be worth tuning in to. Yeah. yeah, but Kane Brown, I he's an acquired taste. I don't consider him country, yeah. uh, even though he's from the country. And I, and I didn't care for what they did with yeah. Blue Christmas. Kind of speeded it, it, it didn't up. need to be done. Yeah. But anyhow... Uh, we're just about out of time. We are. Uh, we talked earlier about Frank Sinatra and the Sinatra Hours uh, is coming up. And next week, we are going to be starting a little later. Uh, we believe it's about 1045 after uh, football. And in the studio with us will be Joel Patterson. Mm-hmm. We hope you will follow us on Facebook and on our blog. And uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Yeah. And thanks to Ron Brown and and Gabe Salgado in the newsroom and to the keeper of the big plug. That would be the one and only Grandpa Bob and Krista, who stopped by earlier tonight, also an engineer. And on the other side of the glass, aging rapidly. That would be young Julian. Always a privilege. (laughs) Thank you, Julian. 